Hey, it's Dan here. If you want to hear this episode of the Backchat Podcast without ads and get extra content that no one else gets, head to backchatstudios.com.au where you can sign up as a patron and access all of our bloody good merch. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I want to start this episode with a story about a very important issue um, in, in society today. What do you order at McDonald's? Um, we had beers with Backchat last week. It was a great event. If you were there, thanks for coming. If you weren't, sucked in. It was actually really good. Um, we had, yeah, I mean, we, 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 we didn't have, you know, we didn't think it was going to be the MCG, but we were all, I was also scared not one person was going to come. So <laughs> we're somewhere in the middle, somewhere between grand final day at the MCG and zero. That's where we were, somewhere in the middle there. And um, solitary confinement <laughs> and, uh, at a sec- high security prison. That's yeah. correct, but that's uh, we're, we're digressing here away from the mm. story. Now uh, you will notice if you are listening, um, we are sort of a bit segmented. We're we're in isolation today. We're all in separate parts of Perth here today. It's actually quite fun doing it. I'm in the studio. Dan's at his house. Charlie's mm. at his house with Freo Docker's merch behind him, and we're all over the place on YouTube. So hope you're enjoying listening. But what do you enjoy ordering from Macca's? Now, look, I'm a pretty stock standard guy. I like my Big Mac meal or even a quarter pounder, you know, large Same. meal. Uh, nothing. Shut up. <laughs> Shut your mouth when you speak to me. Don't you dare sit there having a glass of wine saying same. What do you do? You tell the people at Backchat what you order, you sick individual. <laughs> I like to mix it up. I'll say that much, okay? All right. I'll, All right. I like my so, stock standards, okay? Well, so, just- okay. Go on, tell them what you want to tell them and let me know. I, I just want to set the scene. I want this, I want to set the scene and then you can say what your order is. So we, we go to McDonald's after beer, beers with Backchat. Um, we pull in, you're going to go through the drive-thru. I had a responsible amount of beers and I was able to drive. I've got a yeah. breath tester in my car, so we're good. Yeah. I pull into the drive-thru. There is, it's 11 p.m. at night. There's 100,000 people. If we're talking about the MCG, there, <laughs> yeah. there was literally, I reckon, 100 kids with all of their parents. Anyway, we ended up inside McDonald's. The drive-thru mm-hmm. was too hectic. We thought, you know, we're going to go inside. I walk up behind you and say, yeah, I'll get a quarter pound, a large meal, six nuggets, barbecue sauce. Yeah, stock standard. There's no, You can't even try and challenge it. It's a great what, order. What, thank you, Charlie. What did you proceed to put into that display, Dan? I got um, a, <laughs> I got a double cheeseburger meal, medium. 
and I added the the, the fillet of fish added as like a little extra little treat because um because it's a bloody good burger. The f- okay, let me let me tell you about the fillet of fish. Please do, you sick sick okay. man. The good thing about the fillet of fish is that not many people order them, right? So when they make them, they make them fresh. They're not just like pounding like heaps of fillet of fishes out. So they're fresh. It's freshly caught. I don't know, barramundi or something flaked into a crumbed patty and the best part about it isn't the tartare sauce which is great isn't the melted cheese over the piece of fish um it's the steamed bun now it's the only bun at mcdonald's that you get the steamed bun every other bun can get a bit stale and crusty this one is fluffy and steamed and good and soft. Oh, yeah. I heard it was steamed. Don't worry. Uh, Charlie, can I bring you on? on what, what's going on here? Seriously, I'm about to throw up in my mouth. I'm just, I'm disgusted. I'm confused. I don't know. I can't, I have no words for what a filet of fish is. Like, a filet of fish. Do you think it's seafood? Is it possible that it's not seafood? I reckon it's fake. No, Dan, it's, it's fish. It's in the name, filet of fish. Welcome to to Back Chat. You are on Back Chat Podcast on YouTube. Uh, If you're listening, if you're watching, thanks for joining us. You did miss beers with Back Chat last week. We gave a bit of a a pseudo review last week because we kind of recorded before we did it. But this is the first time we got to chat to you. It was unreal. We did it at the Subi Hotel. Uh, Beer Farm got behind us. So Beer Farm, exclusive beer providers of the podcast, along with Whippersnapper Whiskey providers of the podcast. We're doing bloody well on the alcohol front. I will say that um, mm-hmm. it was a it was a ripping night, wasn't it, fellas? Very, very good. And I will just say, not to backtrack too much, to talk about the filet of fish. If you do order it with a hash brown in or as a side and put it in the bun, it's like fish and chips in the in a burger. So it's very don't good. try to justify it. One, one more word about a filet of fish on this podcast, and you're removed. You're done. <laughs> okay. I'm done. Um, it was very good. Beers with back chat. Uh, if you've been following along, sorry if we didn't get it out to as many people as we would have liked. We did speak about it on the podcast for a fair bit and then ended up just pulling the trigger. But make sure you're following us on socials at backchat double underscore across all social channels. You can email us for one of the, you know, just behind social media, a great segment of this show. You send it, we read it. Hello at backchatpodcast.com.au. If you're watching us, on YouTube, hello, thanks for tuning in. Hmm. Over 750 subscribers on YouTube, Dan. That's huge. Yeah, really awesome exciting effort. stuff. Another yeah. another solid effort by Doug at Beers with Black Chat. Hung out afterwards, we had beers with Doug. Shouts to you, Doug, for hanging around. Doug was good. So we had uh, yeah, we had a few people there and Doug hung around. It was great chatting. We're going to do it again. I think we're going to do it again, right? It was, it was a yep. good enough event to do again. We'll yep, go again. Definitely. Um, uh, Patreon's going nicely. I did want to just throw a little special thank you to our patrons. We've gone to 150 subscribers to this podcast. Never, ever in my wildest dreams did I think we'd actually get there. Like hopefully it keeps growing and we go even bigger. But if you had asked me this, when we started that up, um, asking people to you know help us and support us and, and you know add a bit of value to this podcast, never did I think we'd get there. So I just wanted to say that. Thank you very, very, very Massive. much. You got something to add to Massive. No, it's just huge. I'm dumbfounded. Can't believe it. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Um, so at Beers with Back Chat, as promised, we did the premiership sweep. 
where mm. anyone anyone was anyone who was there went into a bit of a well it was very high tech stuff we had two champagne holders with ripped up pieces of paper inside so we went all out yep. um and basically we drew a name and we drew a team and that's who you got and we at backchat are putting $15 that's what i said wasn't it 15 sure. yeah 15 yeah yeah, yeah. 15 dollars on the nose on every team this year to win the premiership. And if you came to beers with Backchat, you got free money. Someone walked away with free money. Don't know who it was. Yep. Someone did. Yep. And if you if you pulled a roughie out of the hat, maybe like a I don't know, a give me give me like a like a Geelongy Hawthorne sort of you know, outside. They the- are not they are not in the same basket. Let's throw an Essendon, maybe a St Kilda, maybe a Fremantle. Oh, hello, Dan. Dan. Dan, you left us. Are you back? Hello, Dan. And I'm back. And I'm back. I was oh just saying, if you, get, if you pull a roughie, you, are, you might be winning more than just, you know, Melbourne odds type money. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> betting becomes a big part of, you know, different things around the place. And we're not going to become a betting podcast. But I think having a bit of fun with it is a good way to do it. Like, we know that betting exists. We're not going to go and throw our life savings behind it. But having a bit of something to follow along and... I will do fun. another three. Yeah, I'll do another three teams today. Um, that'll be who am I doing this week, Charlie? We've lost alphabetical order. We've had to throw some stuff around. We're doing Richmond. Who else? This week we got Richmond, Port, and the Bulldogs. The Bullies. Okay, there's some. Okay, well I can do all of those. There's some easier cells there. Uh, leaving without. Now you might have seen this if you were following us on social. I got a bit excited about this. I didn't know the full extent, and it's my yeah my naivety and you know mistake per se, but Indy, who is doing great things with our social media, uh, I do know her story. We'd love to be able to chat to her on the podcast, but there's a few things stopping that at the moment, but we will get to her. Now, Indy, she's our cyclist. She is our she is our resident cyclist. She runs our social media, does a lot of great things there. She's found herself in a program um, where she basically helped out a mate doing a uni project, jumped on a Watt bike and blew it up. Blew the thing to pieces. No one had seen yep. readings on it like it ever before. And so within about two months, she found herself in an Olympic program with Cycling Australia where they're trying to fill a effectively a gender gap in female cyclists, um, you know, racing for the 2024 Olympics. She's in a program now here in WA in her spare time. She helps out with the podcast, but that's what she's doing. And she won the state championships as we announced on this podcast. She did. She did win it about four weeks ago. She's heading to nationals, but she needs funding. She doesn't have any funding there. I, I found it outrageous that she's in a, you know, she's in a program and she's trying to fund herself. But I at think that level, that a lot yeah. of, well, a lot of Olympians find themselves in that way because it's not meant to be a professional, you know, thing. But she's training like any AFL player would, like any AFLW player would, like any cricketer, any any professional athlete. She's putting in those hours, but she's funding it herself. So. She kind of put a bit of a personal call out. I thought the Backchat community, we got behind her a little bit, Dan. Mm, We're going to we get did. her to nationals. We we are. And it's a pretty good story. So when we, when we can follow it, we will. But we should get behind her for sure because there's, yeah, there's more medals to be won, that's for sure. Yes. Uh, there's. Are we speaking in cliches now? There's more medals to be won. What the fuck does that mean? Well, it's just the truth. Thank you, Dan. Okay, thank you for your input. Cliches can be true and they can be used. 
Okay, that is uh, not the, exactly what we use on this podcast, but okay. So yeah, I thought maybe a big idea. We maybe Backchat could sponsor Indie. Maybe Backchat could be Indie's premium sponsors, and Backchat could ride a cyclist from the ashes of a what bike what bike experiment in a university to winning medals in the 2024 Olympics. I think that's kind of exciting. It is very exciting. I could get my Lycra pants on. We could do all sorts of things. Oh, Jesus. I knew you were distracted by something. You were just thinking about what sort of outfit you'd have to wear if we were going to support a cyclist on this podcast. <laughs> uh, I don't have the top, though, so if we can get that sorted as well. Okay, very good. Now, um, fantasy. Uh, this is an exciting little period for the uh, Backchat community here. It's so close to getting started. Thursday is uh, when this podcast is out. So tonight. Yes, tonight. Yes. But the following following Thursday, so the following episode will be out before, uh, sorry, after round one starts. So uh, Western Bulldogs Melbourne play on a Wednesday night next week. And so this is the very last podcast you'll hear us banging on about entering the fantasy league. Mm -hmm. You got to enter to win the two grand final tickets. Is that still the prize? That's an outrageous prize. I can't believe that that's the prize. Is that happening? So it's happening. Two grand final tickets for the Backchat Fantasy League winner with almost 100 teams in it now. So it's not it's not stupid numbers. It's still a one in 100 chance of winning this great prize. But I think more importantly, look, winning's not everything. It's a lot of things. And I've lived my life by winning and trying to win. But... It's not everything. What I think this will do, it will be terrific, terrific banter throughout the season to see how we're all doing in fantasy land. Because in the end, it actually doesn't matter if you're an expert or if you're a beginner. You can do well if you're a beginner and you can do poorly as an expert. So I think it's a it's a uniter of people fantasy and it's going to be fun this year, Dan. I hope that we can talk about fantasy but not sort of focus on my efforts because I, I fear that they won't be very good. Have confidence. And you know okay. why you need some confidence? I've been promising it for a little time now. Yep. And I've 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 done it. We have Selby Lestier, who runs Moira's Magic. He's joining us. Well, he's joining us Wait, right he, now, Dan. Is he the guy who's won it twice? Selby Lestier has won it twice. He's won two cars, 2016, 2017, or 2017, 2018. He knows what he's doing. He's been there. He's done that. And you know what? He's going to teach us, the Backchat community, how to win at fantasy. You ready? Now, as promised on this podcast, Selby Lestier, two-time winner of the fantasy uh, competition here in Australia. Yes, two-time. Has joined us. G'day, Selby. How are you, mate? G'day, Will, Dan. Big fans of you guys. So good to be on. Well, we're big fans of yours, mate. Moira's Magic, you've been doing some good stuff for a few years now. You've raised a fair bit of money for charity. You're now taking not only that on the charitable stuff, but you've got uh, AFLW. You've got the full resource guide in Moira's Magic, your own app, your website. You are the fantasy resource in Australia. How do our listeners build a team? Tell us all we need to know. Well, you can start by getting the guide, mirrorsmagic.com.au. But no, it's um, it's exciting yes. and it's, it feels like fantasy sports because for a long time, and you're a big lover of it, like myself, and in the States, fantasy footy over there, and I've spent some time there. It's such a cool thing to do, play fantasy sports, whereas it's been a bit frowned upon for years in Australia. But yourself, Xavier Ellis, 
Harry Edwards with his good performance of the weekend. I think mm. uh, the Trader Boys are interviewing Patrick Cripps and, and doing a draft with Patrick Cripps, Tommy Mitchell and Lockie Neal today. So it's starting to get a bit of buzz, which is good because it is. It's a good, fun game which we play, which heightens our interest in the games on the weekend. And uh, looking forward to, to getting stuck in this year because I think well, it looks as if it's going to be a different year and a trickier year now than, than ever with everything going on with COVID and, and not many kids coming through. I mean, not only are you running moirasmagic.com.au, which is the full fantasy resource guide, I want to get to that in a little bit. But to add some context behind what you've got to say, you have won this competition twice. How much, how much work goes into winning the comp? Selby? Yeah, a bit too much work. But it's 2017 when I won it the first year, I actually didn't put as much time as I do now. I kind of landed upon, because I'm a lover of footy, I watch a lot of footy, played a bit of footy. So just like everyone else, I picked my team before round one and, and it performed pretty strongly. But then on the back, then I really, because I won by a record amount of points that year. And from there, I've studied the moves I made and what made those good picks, which I made that year good and from there, trying to identify similar kind of players, which I did in 2018, which, yeah, a lot more work was put in to back it up the season after. And then I came out and, and tied for first again the year after, which put um, put a bit of – it made it show that it works, that that system works. And from there, I've, I've been yeah, sharing the resource through Marais Magic where we provide tips, advice, some tools, some calculators, some podcasts with Xavier Ellis as mentioned and uh, – been doing that for about four years now and so yeah a lot of time gets put into it but I also love it I love watching footy anyway so it's, it's no real difference for me. How, how close were you to winning before that first time like were you getting like top 10 or anything like that before or was it you, you just storm right to the top? Yeah I was always because 130,000 people play or that first year when I won 150,000 people play so I was always around the 2,000 mark I'd always be competitive amongst my mates but Always thought you must have needed some cheat code or what? Don't know what these guys at the top were doing, but uh, yeah, I was never. I was always loved it and played it since I was a kid, but it was never a standout. So it gives hope to all, hopefully. Okay, so you've been the best, um, but uh, look, I mean, if someone in, in the back chat uh, fantasy league wins the whole competition, I'll be surprised. Bloody well done to you! But as you know, Selby, we're giving away two grand final tickets this year to the winner of the Backchat Fantasy League. So I thought it might be uh, relevant for our listeners just to hear some basic stuff. I mean, I say listeners, I mean Dan. Uh, Dan needs to know how to build his team. What are yep. some real basics in, you know, we've got about a week and a half, oh, about a week to go now. What, what are some of the basics you need to do to build a good fantasy team? Yeah, so just back to one step, simple fantasy for those who don't know, you're essentially picking a squad of 30 real-life players, and you get points based off their performances on the weekend. If more kicks, more handballs, the better. But you've got to remain within a cap. So you can't just go out and spend all your money on these Tom Mitchell, uh, Clayton Olivers, all the best players. You've got to mix it with players who you think are going to improve. So in terms of a tip, you want to look at people who you think are going to break out this year and outperform what they've done last year because they're priced based off what they did in the prior years. So someone like a Patrick Cripps who's been down for a couple of years now with a we had that bad back last year and uh, that I think those shortened quarters didn't help him in twenty twenty, whereas now on 
based off the priest, he looks like he's back to his best. So he's one who should easily outperform what he's priced at and should do well. Uh, like a Matt Crouch, who missed all of last year, and James Sisley as well with injury. It's always a bit of a risk picking players on the back of injury, but they also come at a 30% discount because they've, they missed the full last year. So they're two players who you can put in your side, and I think they're going to outperform that and, and go a long way to helping you have a good team. Stephen Canelio, does that excite you at all? It excites me. Come on now. He's got to be in the team. Yeah, he excites me. So same. I think he's had a year where he averaged 111 fantasy points. The year after that, he averaged 102, but there was a game he did his knee in the first minute. So remove that zero, which he scored that day, was another 111. So he's essentially a player who can score 111 with the same role. I think he comes in this year priced in the 80s, averaging 80-odd. And looking at the weekend and just gone, he looks like he's got those quick feet, which we love, Cornelia, where he's busy around the contest, lays the tackles, pops up for marks. So, And the beauty with him, he you can pick him up as a forward. So you're only allowed six forwards, and typically your forwards are made up of these big key forwards. But because he spent a bit of time returning from injury last year, playing in that forward role, which we were questioning Leon Cameron about last year, it's actually come back as a blessing because he can pick up one of the premier midfielders in the comp, captain of GWS, as a cheap forward option. So he's one I'd, I'm with you there, Scoey. That's what I was going to ask, because you you were listing quite a few midfielders there, but obviously you know, they get most of the ball, so their, their stats would be higher. So then are there key sort of backs and forwards that, that are good fantasy value? Yeah, so you, the, you're right. The midfielders score the most points because it's based off possessions, marks, tackles. If you kick a goal, you get six points. A poor old Joshy Kennedy kicks a goal. He'll get three points for his kick six for his goal and gets nine points, whereas someone like a Tommy Mitchell in the middle goes a little couple of handballs, he gets nine points just like that. So they don't get reward for effort, those big key forwards. So you want to aim to have your whole team, particularly the forwards and the, and the midfielders, playing through the midfield. So with the forwards, you're looking at players who have in the past played forwards, like an Isaac Heaney who's touted for more midfield time this year. If he gets that midfield time, he'll be able to lay some more tackles, get some more touches. Mate, he, 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 is, he is touted for mid, more midfield time every single year. I reckon it's gone on for eight years. You can't have him. I cannot have him in my team. No Isaac Heaney. No. All right. Well, on the weekend, just score, because I've been singing his – I've been on the train and probably riding the oh, train of, of Isaac Heaney. And on the weekend, just score, and he started back forward with Papley out. So that, there's a bit of a question mark on him. But like a Zachy Butters, who's been a half forward for a few years, mm. he's touted to come in and, and spend a lot more time in the midfield. So you want that forward group to run through the midfield. In terms of your defenders, you don't want your – your Will Schofield, Dower, fist-first defenders. <laughs> you want someone who takes the kick-ins like a Jake Lloyd, gets those few little cheap possessions. That's what I mentioned Sisley earlier. He He's one of those, despite being a taller defender, a bit of scoey about him actually, old sis. But he uh, he seems to get it, get on the end of a couple too, so he's not a bad option himself. What, what about some um, some do's and don'ts of, uh, of fantasy footy? What about, you know, head versus heart decisions? What, what, what should you be, you know, you're a big West Coast fan, should be loading up on West Coast players or is this a head game? Depends if you want to win the coveted back chat two tickets to the AFL Grand Final because at the end of the day, fantasy is a game we play for a bit of escape and have a bit of fun with. So Xavier Ellis, who I do a bit of work with, he's all head. He loves a few players like a Zach Jones, Zach Bailey. There's a few players where he, he loves them as players. So he just likes to pick them. He also 
finds himself on a Friday night having a few stubbies before the game kicks off. He goes, I wouldn't mind seeing this guy play while watching it. So he trades in players just so he can enjoy watching them. And <laughs> I don't mind that strategy, but he's probably not going to take out the uh, the two tickets. In terms of your head, that's where you've just got to look at the numbers and look at the, what they're priced at. Think of what you think they're going to score. And if you think they're going to outperform that, more often than not, they're a good pick. Will you have a team in the comp this year? I mean, you, you've 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 put your money where your mouth is, and you've built an entire fantasy resource for the rest of us. Are you going to have a team? No, no. Nah, so I played yeah twenty seventeen, backed it up twenty eighteen, and then on the back of that, I've been giving this advice and guide. And essentially, if I wanted to give the best advice possible, which I try to do, if I was also trying to win, I'd probably hold back a little bit of that advice. That's what <laughs> I tell everyone. More so, I'm just scared if I play again and come ten thousand. People stop listening to it better. Uh, so I hung them up in 2019. I came back 2020, given it was short quarters. There was less rounds. There's all these different rules where I thought, well, I can play, and if I do no good, I could at least say, well, it's a, it's not a proper season. But I happened to come 33rd that year out of the 130,000. So that was enough for me to say, okay, well, I've proven my structure works. I'm going to sit back now and, and try to help. Some of our members do well, which last year we had yeah, the winner, the runner-up, and seven of the top ten ended up uh, being members of ours. And we've got a pretty small, like yourself, nice, small, but loyal membership group, which we we love. Yeah, I mean, that was the stat I was going to roll out. You had seven of the top ten last year in the competition. So if you are listening and you do want those two grand final tickets, I've been saying it every single week on the podcast – you need to sign up to Moira's Magic if you want any chance of winning it. Look, this is going to be about banter. As as Selby points out, this is about banter. This is about me hanging shit on Dan when he picks Isaac Heaney and Heaney starts playing forward. Pick or, him, you know, pick Yeah, him. there you go. There you go. It's going to be all banter. But if you do want to win, I would I would highly suggest signing up to Moira's Magic. I'm signed up. Dan, are you signed up? I will be. I've got to ask, though, what, what sort of, like, is it just you like telling people like pick these sorts of people like what sort of stuff is actually in the guide yeah just before back to that seven the top 10 the one of the three which weren't in the top t- who weren't a member was old harry edwards so i've got to have a chat to wow. him next time i see him. so it also shows you don't have to be a, a member to succeed now we because i'm with you i don't like telling people like i'm just got just much guess whether heaney's gonna play midfield and play well as scoey and as the everyday football fan, a lot of what I we share is philosophies, what we've done in the past, what trades we've done, what sort of players we like to pick in and then try to identify those sorts of players this year. A lot about the stats and breaking down what they average in the second half of last year, the last five games, because that could be a good key indicator for what they're going to do this year. Someone like Dugowie, who averaged 80 over the full season last year, but in his last half, he averaged 110 when he was pushing the midfield you can then think, okay, well, that might be a little niche to, for him to outperform this year. So lots of stats, but again, a bit like you guys, we're, we're trying to keep it fun. So that's where Zave comes in, where I think he ranked 20,000th last year, but it was <laughs> in between my fancy advice, he'd throw in a few nice stories about uh, Al Clarkson and and his broken feet, which I've, I've heard him say on your podcast a couple of times as well. Um, yeah, so I was going to say, I think the best piece of resource I found last year so last year was my first top thousand year. Thank you, thank you. Um, which was, you know, which in, is in if you're with... playing fantasy, it's a huge thing. The top thousand, your top one percent, hundred thirty thousand people play. We're and... talking. 
Yeah, we, I mean, we're talking, it's like the two-minute barrier in the 800. I'm thinking it's like the two-minute barrier in the 800, Dan, like I spoke about with Peter Bowl. Once you crack that two-minute mark, I reckon it's just going to I could be in top 10 this year. I actually think that's a possibility. <laughs> but the best resource I had from Moira is if um, you're sort of listening and you think, oh, it's a bit too much, um, you know, it sounds too analytical, there's an email that comes out every week and it, and it pretty much breaks, it breaks down what you should and shouldn't do, who are the guys that are hot, who's not, who's fallen, who's rising. And someone like you, Dan, I think that you could get right around that. Yep. Does that sound nice? Yeah, it does. I need to make it. It needs to be easy because I'm, you know, I'm not going to be able to watch every game. How many, yeah, games, the, exactly. how many games of the weekend do you watch, Selbs? Do, do you watch every game? No, I don't watch every. I probably should. But when I was winning, I wasn't watching every game either. And it was almost, it saved me. Like, I'd watch footy when I was doing well and I'd, I was walking around the house, stressed, pulling my hair out, whereas I was playing footy on the Saturday. By the end, I was getting to the point and I'd go to the pub on the Saturday night just to avoid having to watch and go through that stress. <laughs> uh, but now I certainly watch a lot more now that I'm not playing footy myself and not playing fantasy to try to pick up a few little cues. But I think you're the same. I feel like I could watch snippets of each game you get a good feel even just a couple of contests from certain players who are on the watch list and know whether they've they've got it in them that killer instinct to either late jump on top and get that extra stat as a tackle or pop up for a few little kicks or if they're just sort of happy floating along like we saw from Tommy Phillips last year um all right we're going to wrap it up uh I just want to give you some of our best and brightest team names from the back chat fantasy league how important is a team name is it, is it important? So Yeah, well, it's important. Unfortunately, I've landed on this Marrera's Magic, which is you can't pronounce or I can't pronounce, spell, remember, type when you're trying to look for the website. But <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I used to be called M-O-R-E-I-R-A-S, magic.com.au, and it's named after the Brazilian jockey Joy Marrera. They call him the Magic Man. And... Back when I mentioned that fantasy wasn't that cool, I had a team called, I think it was called Selby Slammers because our whole team name <laughs> in our group chat were there's a Murphs, Maulers, Chills, Chargers, all alliteration. So right. I thought, okay, Selby Slammers. Then Liam Anthony, who was from my hometown, his kangaroo uh, teammates were putting in a team. with his back in the day with Hamish McIntosh, Aaron, all these cool players. I thought, gee, I can't go in there with Selby Slammers. So... I picked Marrera's Magic because it kind of fit with the alliteration of my one league and then looked cool enough to be with these kangaroo boys. But they happened to win that year, so they were all thinking, geez, who's this Liam's mate's coming and won the whole comp and now I'm stuck with the name. But... That is gold. There would have been a couple of AFL boys going, oh, just get some pleb to jump in the league. We'll take his money, no worries. Wins <laughs> the, the league. league. <laughs> um, all right, here we go. Here are our best from Backchat Fantasy. Um in Meek We Trust. Yep. Very good, Lloyd. Uh, Barassic Park. Mm, like a it a lot. Uh, I, I yo what you did last summer. Yeah. <laughs> Dom, Kick and Harry. Yeah. What is this? Oh, Seymour's Sue Squad. <laughs> And that's that's how you spell Sue, right? S I I I I I I I U U, and Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. Who have you got, Dan? What's your What's your name again? Uh, Be my Valentine, which has been my which was my fantasy name like fifteen years ago. Did you tell Aiden the other day? 
I, I probably should have, but I think uh, I'll have to try to remember to tell him. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Correct. Um, all right, Selbs. Thank you very much. Um, One more on you, people... just because it's questionable. Sean Darcy, yeah. I've seen you come out saying he's going to be the highest scoring ruckman this year. Looked like he needed the run on the weekend, scoring 50. Are you still confident? Because I was with you. Yeah. I was bullish. Look, I um, look. Had I had a few beers when I did that draft, yes. Um, should I have taken Sean Darcy in the first round? No. Am I going to stick to my guns and and argue to my death? Yes. So Sean Darcy will be the highest ranking ruckman in the league this year. I had a chat to him personally uh, in the first practice match. I was in the stands calling the game, and I saw Sean walking around. This was when Nat Five had his goatee, actually. So I spoke to Nat. Nat told me he was taking the goatee off, which he did the next day, which is a huge disappointment for footy fans and people fans around the world, if I'm honest. Uh, and then I spoke to Sean Darcy. He's got a little thumb guard on, which I wasn't. I said, what, what's going on down here, Sean? So I'm not sure if his thumb's 100%, but I'm backing him in. Sean Darcy, will he be in my fantasy team this year? That was in a draft league. I don't know. At the moment, I've got... Bruce is floating through there. I've got Grundy. I think he's going to have a good year. I'm having a look at little, I don't know, little alliterations in the middle. I'm not quite sure what I'm doing with my rucks, but Sean Darcy will be very good. Now, um, to finish off, um, if you do want to sign up and you want to win the two grand final tickets on Backchat Fantasy, you need to be a patron of this podcast. So you can do that by jumping on any of our links in the socials backchat double underscore across any socials or you can jump on the website backchatpodcast.com.au uh, we've got Charlie else, going Daniel? through the list to make sure everyone who is in the league is a patron if you're not we'll just we'll just you'll just get the boot you're getting, getting, you're, getting, you're getting cold you're getting cold so and I am and I as I've confirmed today Selby will not be competing in the backchat fantasy league so there's still a chance for everybody else <laughs> yeah awesome thank you very good much on you, good on you for doing that Dan chat soon Sign up to Mora's Magic. If you don't, uh, if you don't want to win, probably don't sign up. But if you do want to win, I'd sign up. Let's do it. And as Dan would say, there's plenty more medals to be won. Thank you Fantasy very much. Medals. Thank you very much, Selby Lestier. Just some nice little insight there. I knew he'd be good. Didn't think he'd be that good, but he was very good, Selby. I've got to. I'm just going to say after that, I'd be worried if I was you because I think I think I'm going to win this. I think you need to change your fantasy name after we went through those best fantasy names. I think you're, you're going you're gonna to have to put some work into your team, but more importantly, your team name. I think it's got some improvement, to be honest. I don't think it does because it's very relevant for our guest that's on the podcast today. Okay. Which now, is... Um, yes, it is Hayden Ballantyne. You know he's coming up. We don't, it's no secret, no big secret. And we are, we're all over, the, all over Perth at the moment. He's down at Rockingham at his horse farm. Um, Ballantyne Racing. So we'll have a chat to him in a little bit. But before we get there, Dan, mm-hmm. don't know if you've forgotten about this, some of the best material you've ever seen on this podcast. I've been telling our listeners why their team can win the grand final this year. This is part five of a six-part series, Dan. That's a big effort. And it's been fun. I've been loving... I think... Can I just give you a quick wrap of my, my favorite yes. team so far? Yes. So Please. I'm all in on Carlton. You've really got me there. You really sold me on that. Fremantle, love that one. Charlie, you will like that. Um, there was one more that I was like, I don't think that's a very good team, but then you sold me on it. Maybe it was... Um, 
I, I can't recall. Maybe it was Essendon that I was like, I must, you know what? They're yeah, due. Essendon. Yeah, Essendon. Speaking um, of that, actually, I've got to bring this up. I know you hate this. I did share that Essendon video on Reddit and they they didn't love it. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to try bring some joy to your fans, okay? To Essendon fans. They haven't won finals in thousands of days. Let's just give them a bit of hope. And the response that we got on that was like, yeah, nice one. Doesn't that doesn't mean anything? They're due. Like, all right, guys, we're trying to help you out here. Go on in your back in your in your caves. Anyways, let's start with the next one for the part of part five of this series. You know what I think about Reddit, so that about sums it up. They've yes. got absolutely no idea what's going on over there. And yeah, I mean, what do you want me to do? I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to happen to Essendon. I've been trying to keep it positive over here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, Port Adelaide. Let me tell you why Port Adelaide can win the 2022 Grand Final and Premiership. They have been the best side in the competition for the last two years. If you line them up in a ladder with a, with wins and losses in the home and away season for the last two years, put them in a big bunch, they're at the top of the ladder. They're three games clear of any other team in front of Melbourne, in front of Bulldogs, Geelong. That, they, they trump them. You know what's causing them some issues, Dan? Tell me. September. Just like Brisbane, September seems to be a little bit of an issue. And you know what? That's a big, big issue when we're talking about winning games and winning finals. But that's okay. They've got the best team in the league. That's fine. Ollie Wines, Brownlow medalist, great backline. We love a great backline. Jonas, Cleary, McKenzie. Oh, hasn't he turned his... The Canon McKenzie has turned his life around out at Port Adelaide. He's gone from smacking goals from outside 70 to locking down blokes in the goal square. It's bloody beautiful to watch. Dan Houston, Burn Jones, he's an All-Australian. Alir Alir, my God, their back line is the best in the comp. I said it about Fremantle. I'm saying it about, <clears throat> saying it about Port Adelaide. What? Better than Frio's? The best back line in the comp. Wow. Go Port, Adelaide Oval to be teal in 2022. They will never tear us apart. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hey, you should have come in with that. What? What do you? What? You, you tell me what that does to you. That song. I like the song, but I, you know, I just don't think it's um. No, you know, it's better than it's better than the uh, West Coast stuff. The um, <laughs> the the what was it called? The where they all stand up and and link together. Anyways, we, we're not we're not we're staying positive on on back chat. We're staying positive. Richmond, this is how they win the 2022 Grand Final. Quite simply, it's Dusty Martin. It's got to be his show. He's There's no more important player in the competition to a team than Dustin Martin. Dustin Martin doesn't play well. Richmond starts to fall to pieces a bit. Now, that's not discrediting them at all. And you know what? They, they look like they lost their passion to win a little bit last year. But who could blame them? They've won three Grand Finals in the last five years. Like, it's a bit boring winning after a while. Sometimes you're just going to say, you know what, someone else have a go. Just like they very nicely did in 2018 to West Coast. They said, you know what, we don't want to take it all. You boys have a go. And they just you know, they just stepped aside in the prelim final against Collingwood and they gave us a go. Thank you, Richmond. And that's thank why you, think, Mason Cox. <laughs> what? The, oh, God, take those sunnies off, Mason. Now, that's why I think Richmond can win the grand final because clearly they love winning, but clearly they're good blokes. They're, they're happy to share it around. But you know what? They want it back now. September, get them to finals. Look out. There you go. Western Bulldogs, baby. Western Bulldogs. 
geez, I love the Western Bulldogs. I was there that day at the grand final in 2021. They were a couple of goals up in the third quarter. I remember sitting back with, you know, just casting my eyes off to the horizon thinking, I can't believe Western Bulldogs have done it. They've been in a hub for 12 weeks. They've been across the country. They've been living away from their families. They've come up against a superior Melbourne side and they've bloody done it. Well, about, yeah, about 17 minutes later, we saw, uh, yeah, 17 minutes of the greatest football you'll ever see by any team in the history of the game. The Melbourne Demons just went whack in the middle of the CBD and, well, see you later, Western Bulldogs. But you got to remember, they were right there in the grand final and their team's no different this year. They were, I don't know, 17 minutes away from winning the grand final last year. They can do it again this year. They get Josh Bruce back. Aaron Norton, he'll be right there. Aaron Norton, okay, I talk a lot about the best in the business at the moment. Aaron Norton will be the best forward in the comp, even better than Ben Brown. Oof, that's a big call. Are you sure you want to make that? And the it's bond. been called. The it's bond. been called. Oh, they have you, the bond. You haven't talked they? about the bond enough. I well, love watching the bond. The bond, McRae, Dunkley, Liberatore, Trelaw, Hunter. Their midfield has more names in it than what well, has a lot of names in it. A hat. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard it here first. Western Bulldogs have more names than a hat. Thank you very much. <laughs> Western Bulldogs flag in twenty twenty two. Go doggies. I love that. Go. So we've got three more teams left. We do. Uh, we have West Coast. We yep. have Sydney. And we have... St. Kilda. St. Kilda. Thank you, Charlie. Very good, Charlie. You're on the money today. Are uh, The odds for those teams, if you were wondering, Port Adelaide are paying $10, which I think is a very good bet, Dan. Not I had bad, to, actually. I had to lay my predictions for the season. And although I'm telling you every team can win, Port Adelaide is right up there in my predictions. Richmond, just behind them at $11. I think, look, they're a chance, but it's being probably a little too kind at this stage. And the Western Bulldogs, $6.50, I think a second favourite, as they should be. Very good team, Western Bulldogs. Do you think, quick question, Yeah. Uh, home and away season plays out like it should, where every home team plays the home team, uh, sorry, every home team plays their home games, you know, et cetera, et cetera, no hubs. Do you think if hubs come into it, will your predictions change? Does that mean anything? Um, I mean, West Coast and Fremantle are going to be in big, big trouble this year. Like, no one's really speaking about it. I'm not sure why. The Western Australian teams are going to get absolutely decimated by one, by COVID. They're living in a COVID community where no one else really is. In this, in everyone's moving on pretty quickly now around Australia. Um, and then the, the travel requirements and the different mandates that that Perth and Western Australia will be the only state living under. They will not be able to train and play here like every other team can do interstate. And you know what else has changed this year? When when it was the other way around, when Western Australia was clean, clear, COVID-free, no mandates, do what you like, and the other teams were sort of living under their different types of rules and regulations, well, the Western Australian teams had to abide by everyone else's rules, even though it was fine over here. Foot uh, Shoot on other foot, well... The over-east teams don't care. They're going to do what they like, and Western Australia are going to get cooked again. And I, th- I think both teams... Look, that could be shocking news for Fremantle Dockers supporters because they're they're the team that's looking on the rise this year. And Charlie, I don't know if it's good news for you, big fella. I'm certainly very worried. You got me all excited about Frio, and then you dropped that bomb uh, on me. 
uh, stay excited. I just think it's an issue that we need to be aware of. It's not really getting spoken about. I think maybe Western Australians are too busy sort of stressing about their own backyard, but I don't know. Freo and West Coast are going to cop it this year. I'm not, not, not boding very well for those players and their families, which is disappointing given a lot of friends of the family here at Backchat. Now, you send it. We read it. Well, how does this work? I forget every time. How does this work, Dan? Basically, you send it. We read it. You send mm. us an email at hello at backchat podcast. No, it's hello. What's the... Oh, gosh. It's been that long since I've had to think about the email. Backchatpodcast.com.au. Is that no. right? No, that's a website. Hello, hello. at backchatpodcast.com.au. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello at, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yep. Yep. I panicked for a second there, but you got me That's right. okay. Hey, yep. sorry about Dan, everyone. He's just, you know, he's just, he's just, um, you know, he's just not having his best day, but that's okay. It's time to make up for it, Dan. This is the favorite part of your podcast yep. where you get to read the emails. I've put a challenge to you last week. I said, I said, you haven't been at your best reading the emails, Dan. Can you be at your best today? And I've said, of course, wouldn't expect anything less. Marty C10, question for Da Boish. Da Boish. G'day, boys. Long-time listener, first-time sender. Love that. Bit of apropos of nothing, but I'm a big fan of my local community Facebook page. Just want to get your thoughts on the raging debate at the moment as to who is the most dangerous group of people in society right now. Wow. Oh, boy. Uh, Vladdy Putin and his Soviet sorority. That's A. B. Reckless pet owners who let their dogs off the lead at the park. B, which is me. Uh, C. Kids sucking on vapes, riding their e-scooters after dark, or D, oh sorry, D, parents, I didn't realize there was an E as well, D, parents picking their kids up from school, pulling up slightly on your verge so their kids can hop in their car, (laughs) or E, other, cheers, Martin. Okay, Martin, I will say other, I'm going to fill in the blank there, and it's people who order Philado Fishes at McDonald's, That's, that's what E is, happy with that, Dan? Yep, sure. There's nothing... Okay, yep, all right. There's nothing wrong with the filetto fish. Right. Uh, okay, so so the most dangerous group of people in society right now... I'm taking Vladimir Putin out of this, if that's okay with everyone else. Um, I don't really want to get into global yeah, politics, we're not, we're not. and I think... <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I think, the, I think the four others are far more dangerous, well, potentially mm-hmm. dangerous anyway. Uh, reckless pet owners. Are you? Did you say that's one of you? You let your dog off at the park, do you? Uh, yeah, I go across the park, across the road. It's a dog park. You let your dog off. They all hang out and have a good time. It's it's great. Okay. Well, I guess I, I yeah. It's more like the parks that aren't like specifically dog parks, and you see the dogs running around off leash, and people yep. are out there with their dogs on leash. Yeah. Okay. You know? Yeah. Sometimes respect, you know what, something I that I heard not that long ago that really made me think was sometimes it's a more about the dog that's on the lead. It's not about how your you dog. Not, how have you not thought about that? Well, you know, have you not? I've just about always that? had such a friendly dog that's never done anything wrong. So. Oh. Oh. Cool. Okay. Well, I mean, we just all be about it. Maybe just keep your dog over by you and just oh, yeah, get a happy, loving dog. Oh, that's good. Just, just, just look after your dog, mate. Keep it in your own personal space. You're a dangerous human being. Um, <laughs> C, kids sucking on vapes, riding their e-scooters after dark. Are you one of those, Dan? No, I um, have. Uh, a, a, I've got a rule. I probably don't ride it once the sun goes down, unless I really have to. But I don't have a vape and either. No sucking on vape no while riding. No. Nope. Okay, they're they're ruled out. Mm-hmm. Uh, parents picking their kids up from school, pulling up slightly on your verge. So it sounds like Martin's got an issue with this. So their yeah. kids can hop in their car. I got no comment on this, but obviously Mar- Martin's got some beef with someone that's pulling up on his verge. 
for, for mine then it's between Philado fish ordering and uh dog parks dog dogs off the ledge at parks and you're both of those people Dan, <laughs> so you're out uh charlie you, you get to decide on this mate Philado fish ordering or dogs look I also do let my dog off at the park, so yeah, I'm going to have to go with the Philado fish. <laughs> you're, you're, you're a smart man, Charlie, and you're a, you're a dangerous human being, Dan. Cost. You know what? Uber Eats is open. I might. Uh, I'm a bit hungry, so Philado fish might be on order. Um, it's they good... couldn't be dishing that out. They actually couldn't be ordering. They couldn't be delivering that. It's true. It's very fresh. Andrew Becker sibling rivalry. Very good, Andrew. Here we go. Dearest underscore Scoey underscore and underscore cons. Oh, Long time listener here and love what you guys do. Love the rawness and unfiltered way you guys run things. I've been catching up on 2.0 since moving to Sweden. Hey. Oh, that sounds familiar. I'm the guy who named his son Lewis after the best kick to grace the wonderful game. Nice. Your first question or guest got me thinking about my greatest sporting achievement. I know what you're thinking. Who the fuck is this guy? And why would we care when it doesn't include a flag, eight for against South Africa, etc., etc.? Well, you're <laughs> firstly we love we love everyone's, and we had a lot of good ones. By the by, biz of back chat. Well like done. To mention yes. That. Yes. Fair point, I say. But hear me out. I was born and grew up in Darlington, hence a little extra respect for Swans players. Before my play, uh, before my family moved east, I have a brother that is seven years old, and the rivalry is fierce to say the least. The type of rivalry that every year for Christmas we got a new table tennis we got new table tennis bats and within minutes at least one was broken and a fresh dent in the table appeared. Growing up when I was five or six, we would play basketball and roller hockey, with my brother always letting me get to nineteen, thinking I was on the verge of winning for the first time, only for his miraculous comeback to begin and take hmm. the win. That's for first twenty one. Love that. Um, when I was 16 or 17, we played a game of basketball. It's no longer to let me get to 19 and make a comeback scenario. Uh, I don't remember the score of this particular game, but it was close. And towards the end, he made a drive for a layup, and I slapped that shit out of his hands and out <laughs> of the court. This was the first time he had been blocked and beaten by his younger brother. 15 years later, and I'm not sure he has picked up a basketball since. <laughs> uh, obviously, he has, and the role for and the rivalry continues to this day. My beloved brother, Michael, is a listener of the pod, so I'm sure he would love to be reminded of the first time his little brother rejected the shit out of him. Although, to be honest, I'm sure he thinks about it every day. I'm, I'm <laughs> sure he probably does. We'd love to hear of any sibling rivalries with upcoming guests and how that drove them to becoming to become the amazing sports person they are and has earned them a coveted spot on Backchat. Cheers, Andrew. Very good, Andrew. And suck shit, Michael. Stop yeah, beating that. up on your younger brothers. Are you a younger? Are you a younger sibling, Dan? Yeah, much younger as well. Okay, the only thing I can really think of this was that my uh, sisters. We had a Super Nintendo home, and uh, we used to play like a Street Fighter type game. And I have vivid memories of them like playing. We play against each other, and they would push me to the very side of the screen and just like punched the shit out of me in street and I could never get out of it. And I, and I just remember being really upset as a kid feeling like they were cheating. Yeah. That's great. Charlie. Yeah. Uh, big sibling, sibling rivalry. Actually, my brother, you met him the other day, came down to beers with back chat and he did want to share his uh, best sporting moment. He didn't get to because I didn't give him the mic. Uh, <laughs> 
bit of roaming but, Charlie for anyone who wasn't there. Roaming. We sent we sent Charlie out into the audience for the greatest sporting moments at Beers with Backchat, and I love that you didn't give your brother the mic, Charlie. Very good. Because what he wanted to say was that his greatest sporting moment was getting a hat trick off the same batsman, mm. and it's possible that that batsman was me. <laughs> Unlucky. <laughs> What yeah, is this no. in the backyard? How are you doing that? What's happening? Uh, this was backyard cricket uh, a couple oh. months ago down south. <laughs> a couple months ago, Charlie. Play a straight not, bat, mate. Eye on the I've ball. I've never been a cricketer. I'm not a cricketer. Yeah, we can tell. I like watching it. Yeah. Uh, my sibling rivalries. I'm a young. I'm a youngest child. Uh, I just tell my older brothers brothers that I'm the favourite child, and I am. It's not like it's not made up. Like I have the favourite child. That's the rivalry, and it's over because I win. Yeah, good. I'll take that one too. I'm definitely the favourite. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, Philip White. Let's do it, Phil. We love okay. this. Russian, Russian athletes. athletes. Here we go. Uh, dear Will, Dan, Charlie, and Kat, while the war between Ukraine and Russia is both complicated and messy, I'd like your opinion on Russian athletes, teams and sporting organizations being banned from competing on the international stage or even being televised to the world. What influence, if any, does any athlete, club, or sporting organization have on foreign affairs? Are we as a... Uh, are we as a society punishing athletes who have done nothing wrong and possibly don't support Putin's decision to invade, but rightfully fear for their lives and the lives of their families if they speak out against it? Uh, let's let's. There's a PS here. PS on a lighter note. Will Charlie being will will Charlie being competing in the 2022 Clear Bachelor of the Year, or is he looking to compete in something a bit harder to win? Charlie, uh, Charlie first, first off. Oh, well, I'd love to be considered, first of all. I just have to say, you know, if I ever want a self-esteem boost, i just got to read Philip White's emails. He's always so nice to me. There you go. It's, I don't know it's why. It's good. Uh, no, I no, do. Charlie's playing the freaking role. He's very good. Okay. Um, I Look, look the, one, the one that comes to mind straight away, Nikita Mazepin. He's a driver for Haas, the F1 team, Russian driver. Uh won't be driving for the F1 this year. They Haas of uh, the FIA have said no, it's a no go. Um, is it fair? Look, it's complicated. That's like it's hard because even if they don't support Putin's decision to invade Ukraine, there are some complicated documents in which he was forced to sign. Blah blah blah. There's there's a lot to it which I don't know the full story of. I think there'll be some innocent Russian a- athletes out there that are like I don't want to get involved in any of this i just want to do my job and not allowed to i think it's messy that's all i'll say yeah i mean i was asked this on radio last week and i kind of had the opinion i don't think athletes should be you know suffering for the political decisions of their leaders but then it was kind of put to me that that's kind of the point is to put pressure on the political leaders is to punish um members of their of their society and 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 almost reverse engineer the pressure and you know if every sporting star you know Russia's a big sporting city Massive. they they do well at the olympics they've got um you know huge teams across multiple sports they're a big sporting nation so if you for instance if australia was doing something wrong to another country and uh they banned all australians at all sporting uh activities around the world i dare say publicly there'd be a lot of pressure put on our politicians to be you know it, it might actually engage people that aren't attached politically you know I'm, I'm not engaged politically in this country i'm really not i'm i'm sick of it and i'm over it and i really have detached myself but if sport came into it and suddenly 
they just stopped playing AFL and they stopped any international competition for Australians, I'd start piping up internally. And so I think that's kind of the point of it. Are innocent sports people going to suffer? Absolutely. And I think that sucks because, especially, again, especially for Olympians, they got one chance every four years and, you know, they got, you know, however you feel about what's going on over there, they got decisions being made out of their control that then that's gone. They never get that back ever. Mm. Yep. Um, now, one last one from Geordie Flynn. G'day, Geordie. Uh, hey, boys, just wanted to get an insight of what of what happened the night before the 2018 Grand Final. Did you do anything different or just keep to the usual schedule? Also, what happened to the uh, what happened the morning of? Was there a communal breakfast? What did the boys consume? Um, I'll read this PS and then we'll get back to that question. PS, with seven minutes to go in the second quarter, Dugowie kicks a through ball inside 50 to a running um, Majacek with Governor's tail with no chance of catching him. Scoey begins to sprint from the 50-meter line looking like he has too much ground to make up and then out of nowhere turns on the heat and beats Majacek to save a goal in what was reminiscent of the Jetta v. Cyril sprint. Is there any data we can get about the speed and acceleration of that sprint from Scoey's tracker? I haven't seen that sort of extreme pace since Usain sent from his <laughs> iPhone. There you go. Very, very good. Thank um, you, Good moment there. So night off. Hey, what, what, what about dinner? Like, are you, is it like, what are you doing for dinner the night before? Are you thinking about it? Like not too heavy? Same with breakfast. It's um, a good question. I would have tried to keep it pretty normal. And uh, that would pretty much be the mantra is don't do anything too differently than what we did the whole year. I mean, we we won a fair few games away from home that year. And the hotel food is buffet style. So breakfast, dinner, lunch, they're all buffet. And you can, you know, there's pasta, there's... Um, it, it's actually making me really think what I did that morning. I reckon I was the last person in there. I had... Uh, I had a late breakfast. I always used to like sleeping in. I was a big sleeper when we were on the road because we we're you know time difference changed and and even that morning I would have been nervous, but I would have slept in. I was the last person to have breakfast. Many I was the last person to shower in between breakfast and lunch or leaving, and we would have left earlier for the grand final that day. So it would have been I probably would have eaten a bit more for lunch than I usually do because we had more time. Um, maybe a little bit of pasta, but pretty light couple of you know maybe one toasted sandwich that sort of setup but all of it would have been pretty normal and night before um i can't actually remember i can't remember what i did it would have it was obviously nothing memorable i would have been trying to think about not thinking i would have been trying to just watch a movie or try to get out of my own head try to get myself to sleep so i didn't have to think about what was going to come up the next day there you go that's it, Dan. Mm-hmm. That is very much it, my man. Um, we're going to chat to now our first Frio Docker on the show, Hayden Ballantyne. Charlie, are you excited for this one, mate? Very excited. I've got my gear in behind me. I've got my gear on. Do you want to see the shirt? Yeah. Uh, yes. Show us your T-shirt, mate. What is it? So for people oh. just listening, it's a Clive Waterhouse oh. special. It looks like it could be like a well, like an 80s band glam T-shirt style I was going to say a mural in a church. I mean, that is yeah. something that is be- that is beautiful, Charlie. Good thing is you can pray to this as well, you know. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Very good, Clive Waterhouse. He was on the very top of our list when we first started uh, the reboot here at Backchat. Dan, maybe we can. We've maybe we can I've, tr- I've tried, but we'll okay. we'll keep trying. 
and Tony Modra? Keep trying. Okay. Let's I think we can I think Hayden Ballantyne could be even an upgrade from those two, so let's do Ballas right now. Alrighty, we are very, very happy and honoured to be joined on Backchat by the first Fremantle Docker to join Backchat, and I absolutely love it. It's been too long, in my opinion. Charlie's a very big Fremantle fan. Dan, you, you say you're a West Coast fan. I think you are, but who knows? I clearly West Coast fan. But this man, Hayden Ballantyne, joins us now on Backchat. G'day, Ballas. How are you, mate? G'day, gents. How are you going? Good. Now we've dragged you off the um the fields, the horse, the horses all sorted out, mate. We've we've dragged you off the farm for this chat. You're all sorted over there at Ballantine Racing. Yeah, mate. All sorted, all fed, all watered, all rugged. So they're good to bed down for the night. Quick question about the horses. Um, I'm a Simpsons fan, and I remember Lisa. There was this one episode where she has this brick of salt, and it's like a salt lick for the horse. Is that a thing? Yep. That's a thing. It's, yeah, that's a thing. They've all got a salt lick out there. Yeah. Well, you think that we can't give them a power aid to replenish all their salts and minerals they lose. So we give them a salt lick and they lick away. They love it. There you go. There you go. Well, you can't let anyone tell anyone else that Backchat don't get to the bottom of the big questions here. <laughs> um, now, I, I want to start with this one, Ballard. <laughs> uh, we ask every guest we've ever had on this podcast the same question first up, and it's not about salt licks. It's about you. Now, we we know that you've been a good football player. You've done a lot of things on the footy field, and that's great. And, you know, we're here to say we don't really care off the top here. I'd like to know your greatest sporting achievement not on the football field. Don't tell us about kicking goals, selling candy. I, I have a feeling it could be in the horsing realm, but we need your greatest sporting achievement. It can be anything. Andrew Bogut had poker. Peter Bowl had basketball. Uh, Tommy Hawkins had hurdle, uh, high jumping. Could be anything. What's yours? Um, yeah, it would be horses, I would have thought. Winning um, winning my first race with Mankind probably be one would be right up there for me. I've actually got the... Oh, I had one of the junior records for javelin when I was in. I don't know when I was. I think it was first year of high school. I had the. Um, I got one of the junior records for javelin, so I, was, I had a pretty good arm on me. You are not oh. built like a javelin thrower. What's going on there? Yeah, I'm, I'm not tall and lanky, but there's a, there's a little bit of power there, Scoey. You, you've felt a bit of that before, so it's um yeah. I had a I had a bit of an arm on me when I was younger, and um yeah, I used to be able to let them fly pretty good. Get low Very to the good, ground yeah. and just launch it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the short joke's coming in already, are they? Mate, no, I'm shorter than you, so it's all good. We're, we're in this together. It's fine. <laughs> um, nah, that was, um, was in the yeah, first year of high school, I think it was. It was good. What, um, I mean, talking about being a young fella, you started playing in Mandra, your Mandra boy, Peel Thunder. Um, that's where we first met. So it's worth noting, listeners, that Hayden Ballantyne and I, although most would think we are fierce rivals, which we were for a long period of our career, we did start it as, as teammates at Peel Thunder. Um, you won a Sandover medal there in 2008. Uh, just shortly before there, a big career-changing moment happened. I was, in fact, drafted to the footy club. So would it be fair to say that I taught you everything you know in terms of football or...? 
Uh, there's there's three blokes that told, t- keep telling me they won me the sand over that year. You're one of them, and um, the 46 goals I kicked had nothing to do with it. But no, there was um, it was always good having having the actual AFL boys come down and play at Peel, and um, yeah, it's just good to compare ourselves to to guys like Scully and um, and Bunga. Bunga was down there as well. He played a fair few games down there at Peel. Kicked a goal from the centre circle. I remember that. Had the wind behind him to keep the goal from the centre circle. That was unreal. He says to everyone that there's a plaque on the field at Rushton Park where he kicked that goal. They put a they put this bronze um, plaque out there on the wing. Is that true or not true? It was a bit. It's, well, it's, it wouldn't overtake the sign, but it's um yeah, you would have something out there. <laughs> Talk to me about the sign, Hayden Ballantyne wing. It's, it's the first question you get asked all the time. What's going on there, mate? Yeah, it is it normally is the first question. So um yeah, in two thousand and uh, I had a pretty good year, 2008, got drafted, Sandover, whatnot. And then um, 2009, I got invited to the president's lunch and sitting down having lunch. And no one told me that there was a sign on the other side of my name on it. And I'm looking over, I'm like, that looks like my name over there. And sure enough, Johnny Ditchburn had a big grin on his face and, um, yeah, <laughs> said, you've uh, named the wing after you. So, yeah, it's pretty a bit of a proud moment. Dan, Charlie, have you seen what we're talking about here? Have you seen this? Have you seen the sign? Yep. You can't miss it. Yeah, I, I watched probably every game of Peel's in 2017, I think, when I was doing a bit of work with Peel, and I always remembered the Hayden Ballantyne wing. I wonder how that came about. And it was just I a little surprise thing for you. It's um, when we used to play preseason games down there. We played Richmond down there one day, and yeah, Jack Rewalt would not leave me alone about it. Just kept <laughs> kept on harping and harping and harping about it, saying, yeah, plenty of pleasant stuff, as you know Jack Rewalt does. So you, you had a good year in 2008. You won the Sandover medal as a forward. You, you were a midfielder growing up, though. Um, West Coast Eagle premiership player Muddy Waterman was the coach down there at the time. He, he chucked you down forward, played you as a forward because the kind of, you know, the, the tall, small jokes come in, but... You were overlooked for a couple of years there because people thought you were too small as a midfielder, weren't you? Yeah, exactly right. And, um, you know, I've always played pretty good footy as a midfielder. Um, but then Muddy said, if you want to get drafted and play AFL, I suggest you go and have a crack playing forward. And, yes, yeah, the best best uh, advice I ever got. I went forward and, um, yeah, kicked plenty of goals that year and, uh, and got took got some real notice from AFL clubs and, um, yeah, ended up getting picked up. Similar to, I think it's a bit similar to Toby Green. You know, Toby Green started as a midfielder. You know, they had 15 midfielders vying for the, those three places in the midfield and he goes forward and now he's an All-Australian for, um, small forward. So we'll meet him small forward. So there's plenty of opportunities elsewhere on the footy field, not just in the midfield. Um, you were a West Coast fan growing up though, weren't you? What was it like getting picked up by Freo? As you would know, you'd be happy to get picked up anywhere. I was actually told I was going to get picked up from Hawthorne at 17 and West Coast at 20, Freo at 21 and Port Adelaide at 24. So the only one I really didn't want was Port Adelaide. So I was happy to get, <laughs> get to Fremantle, but um, yeah. Why, was, um, why didn't you want to get, why didn't you want to get picked by Port? Oh, I don't really like Adelaide. It's not, it's not Port Adelaide itself. It's just Adelaide. There's not a whole lot going on over there. So um yeah, I was pretty happy to stay in um, stay in Perth. Um, moving to Melbourne to a big club would have been awesome too. But um, yeah, I was very lucky to play all my footy at one club in Perth. It didn't have anything to do with you missing the uh, state combine testing results because you're on a footy trip, did it? 
oh, maybe, probably. I never know. It's um, yeah, that's another funny story. I was, I had it all planned. I was going to Thailand with the Peel Boys for a footy trip, and then um, yeah, I get a phone call from my manager saying, um, "What's going on? You meant to be at the Peel comp- at the at the draft combine." I was like, I, was, I thought it was all organised. I could have come over here, and yeah, shit at the fan. And luckily, they let me off, and I got to do a beat test by myself. Um, we can hear your kids in the background there, Bellas. You're a father of three daughters, three, mate. Three girls, yeah. They're um, they just come in from riding their horses, so yeah, they'll be making a bit of noise. Girls, <laughs> you don't have. To, it's all right, mate. There's kids running around everywhere on this podcast, right. so it's good. Oh, I just want to make the point. You, you know, a father of three three girls. I know, spoken a bit to you. Um, mm-hmm. We've been out on the road together about coaching them and then playing footy. It sounds like there's a couple of Valentines. Up and comers? Yeah, the oldest, she's getting right into her footy. Um, she played last year and went really well. First time she ever picked up a footy was only last year. And, um, yeah, played a full season, uh, got runner-up best and fairest. Um, and, yeah, she actually goes really good. She broke her arm falling off a horse a few months ago. So she was tossing up with her to play. But, yeah, she's going to play again. Um, and then the second one, she's been um, toying with the idea of playing footy as well. So, yeah, it might be a few few more Valentines coming through the ranks, hopefully. I'll leave the next one for you, Dan, while I fix my headphones up, mate. Yeah, you fix your headphones. Well, at least um, as as you're growing up playing, um, sorry, as a, as a West Coast fan and then getting drafted into Fremantle, it might be sort of the opposite now. Are, you, are your girls um, Fremantle fans as they have they grown up? Yeah, yeah, they yeah, they are. Just, you know, just because they had to come and watch me play every week and um, they love the, love the footy club. And it's also, um, Ross Lyon was very big on family within the footy club. So all the kids, they all know each other. Um, they used to play around the change rooms after games and go annoy all the boys after after a game of footy. So it was, um, it was a really good environment for all the kids and um, that's why they love the footy club. Well, let's hope if, um, to... if the way that, oh, sorry, that it keeps going is that if they do get drafted, if they do want to play AFL, they do get drafted in the Frio because West Coast, I don't know, won one game in the last four seasons or something in, for, for the women's league. So um, hopefully they, they get drafted into a, a good team there. Yeah, and it's great that they've got those avenues coming through Waffle now and, and they actually can play AFL um, with a Freo or a West Coast or whatever AFL jersey they get drafted to. So, yeah, it's exciting time for all the girls running around playing footy now. Bellas, I want to start with um, with this one, which is around your perception as a footy player. Like, there's a lot of West Coast fans that listen and watch this podcast, and I think a lot of people would not know you as a bloke. And I was fortunate enough to know you. You had a perception of being this antagonist, well, a little shit on the on the footy field, which you know, I'm not going to argue with that, to be honest. But how did you find that sort of perception with how you were as a footy player and how you are as a bloke? Because in my experience, it's been different experiences um to be honest i loved it i love that perception you know i was out there to do a job and to win games i wasn't out there to make friends i was out there to kick goals tackle people hurt people if i could and win games so you know if i annoyed anyone you know i won't be apologizing that was my job i was out there to do a job and the thing was, I could I could back it up with my footy too. You know, I'd, I'd you know I'd cause a bit of cause a bit of shit and stir a few people up. But then I'd come out and kick a few goals and 
I think that's what really got people annoyed is that I could actually back it up with my footy as well. I often, um, my sporting career, which is often documented and, and talked about a lot on this podcast, um, did get compared to you as a as an athlete in that I would get on the, um, you know, I played a lot of basketball and uh, a lot of a lot of indoor cricket and stuff, and and often did like to chirp and and cause a bit of a, a, a bit of a stir, and, and people often said classic Hayden Ballantyne over here. The only difference was that I couldn't really back it up, and so I was just all talk. <laughs> <laughs> but you just got to use what you got if, if if it's a tool then you got to use it a hundred percent and you know i'll probably kick t- 10 20 goals just off free kicks just because someone snapped and chipped me on the jaw like someone from geelong did and i'll kick a goal and we won that game by five points so you know jokes on them because we win the game but to be honest it was what what the outside perception was what if a duck's back. I was I was very determined and very driven to win games and play in finals and try win a premiership. Um, so you know, if I pissed a few people off, I won't be apologising anytime soon. Um, now, Dan, I'm hoping my mic's still working well, mate, because I made that change up. You boys hear me fine still? Hear you well, loud and clear, mate. Yep. Um, Bell is like. So you did have this reputation of stirring people up, and it's good to hear that you love that as well. I feel like if I reflect on you and me through our careers, I, I never cop the I never cop the full wrath, and and I was reflecting about it today when I was thinking about chatting to you. I never cop the full Hayden Ballantyne. I really can't remember a time where you really went at me that hard. Why was that? Ah. Uh... I don't want to say it, but I might have liked you a little bit, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you could have just said I was shit, not good enough to go at. <laughs> I did. I could say that too. I, I would always target the best defenders. Like, with all due respect, Scott, I don't mean to pull the piss, but you know, <laughs> yeah, Matty Scarlett yeah, was always okay. Matty Scarlett was always the first one I'd go to because he was the best defender in the comp at that time. You know, Geelong were the best team, and I'd always love playing against Geelong because they were they were the target. They were the ones we wanted to beat. If we, we wanted to be the best team, we had to beat the best teams and Geelong were at that time. So uh, Matty Scarlett, um, Corey Enright, those were the, they were the best defenders in the comp. And as soon as I seen them on the field, my eyes lit up and I thought, you, you boys are going to have a long night tonight because I'm going to give it to you all night and I'm going to kick some goals on you. And that was, my, that was my mentality. I wasn't out there to make a friend. I was out there to win a game and, and do my job. And um, I think that's why Ross Lyon picked me every week because I would do my job and everyone knew it. Who are you well, blokes at West the, Coast? Oh, sorry, oh, sorry you, you go, mate. Who who are you blokes at West Coast? Well, to be honest, um, had nothing to do with with um, Andy Brayshaw, but before that was Gaff. He was always a target because he had that perception of being a bit soft and you could intimidate him, but you actually couldn't. Like he would just he just kept on getting up. You'd bash the shit out of him. You just kept getting up. <laughs> so he was he was always one. Um, Shannon Hearn, you know, you try and get stuck into him, try, try, I don't know, try to take him out in some way, but he's, he's, he never said anything. He was too nice. He was always just the nice person that would never give you a tap on the back when you try and clean him up. Like he's just, he'd always be too nice, which pissed me off a bit. Um, yeah, basically, basically someone who I thought I could get an edge over, someone that I thought would snap and I could just take them out of the game, just, just, just through their mentality and the way they were going to approach it. Did you and Ryan Crowley ever get together and talk about this? Because I feel like from the outside as well, he was always a bit of a pest and liked to get in niggle. Like, would you guys, yeah. like, 
have a bit of a plan of attack on someone? We never planned it, but it always happened. Like Krauser was always on the best player, so he was the target. Not just for me. Like I would always you know, make a point of really getting stuck into him. But um, at Sky, you'd know the, the whoever was getting tagged. It wasn't just the tagger doing the job. The whole team did it. If the ta- if he got away from the tagger, someone had to chase and make sure that player didn't get a kick or didn't kick a goal because. If they get up and about, they get the team up, um, that can cost us the game. So, you know, the, the poor bastards that cra- went to Crows, they had 22 players just into them all game. The, well, the, you know, the the funny thing is internally, these players externally, so we talk about Crowley and Ballantyne from Fremantle, that people, you know, love to hate a little bit, but it, they'd probably be the two players from Fremantle that I would have loved to have played with on my team. And... Maybe Bellas, I don't know how you find it, but I sort of started getting towards that, towards the end of my career, being that instigator a bit. And because I was getting slow and old or slower and older than I ever was, it just became a tool of my trade, you know, trying to get under people's skin. And, you know, at times it's, you know, people don't like you and in inverted commas, but in, in the end, I think people respect the fact that you're able to go at someone. But not very often are these sort of blokes that we talk about. Um, that it doesn't really carry off the field. I know Ryan Crowley personally as well. Like, like, unfortunately, a really good bloke. And, and yeah. same with you, Bellas. Like, unfortunately, you're actually a good bloke, which is you know, probably disappointing to hear for a lot of West Coast fans. Well, I remember oh, – sorry, I was going to say, I remember in 20, so 2016 when there was that sort of talk of, of – and we'll talk, maybe talk about this in a little bit later with you coming over to West Coast, potential for that – like the moment that that comes into conversation, West Coast fans will be like, "Yeah, sweet, we'll take him straight away." But like leading up to that, you you you'd sort of love to hate him. And the same with Crowley. I remember when he eventually when he got um, when he left Frio, and there was some potential for him to to move. I would have taken him on West Coast any t- any day. But leading up to that, I didn't want anything to do with him. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's because the players we were, you knew what you were going to get week in week out. Like we gave everything we had. You know, we might not have been the most skillful, we might not have been the best players out in the field, but you knew, you know, you knew Krause's man wasn't going to get a kick. Krause would have got a kick, but his man wasn't getting a kick. You knew I was going to lay tackles and kick a couple of goals and, and get stuck into the opposition. So um, I think that's and, – and I've, I've, I've felt that perception too. You know, I'm, I know a lot of people say they didn't like me and how much of a pest I was, but um, then a lot of them also said that um, I wouldn't mind you on my team as well. So, yeah, we will get to the stage at 2016, I think, that you potentially almost came over to the dark side in West Coast. But before we get there, do, do you reckon the West Coast Frio rivalry is real? Is it is it a real thing or is it is it something that um is external? Like internally as a Frio player, was that something that was real to you? It's real, yeah. 100% it's real. And um, anyone that says it is full of shit because any of it says it doesn't is full of shit because it's a real rivalry there's you know not just the players the players really want to get that one just because you know it's it's our town for that you know next six months however long it is or and the and also the fans as well the fans really build up for it um you know it's it's a very small town perth and you want to have those have that have those wins when you can what was it like internally at freo before a derby was it was it bigger than a, a normal game I wouldn't say it was bigger, but you all you always felt that angst. Like you always, you, you could always you try and block out that outside noise, but it always came in. And um, 
you, you were definitely you, you definitely knew it was derby time. The the feeling, the the intensity in the game, leading into the game, it wasn't so different. But once you got into the game, you felt that energy from from us and from the opposition as well. It just went up twenty percent, and um, yeah, you could definitely feel it was it was real. And you know, we had a good good stint there. I think we won six or seven straight. Um, then it was tit for tat for a while, and then and lately it's been uh, all West Coast. So. Yeah, hopefully the uh, tides turn this year for us. I always describe derbies as as close to finals as you could get, not in a final, because the finals definitely had that, you know, different feeling of intensity and you know contest meaning more, and and that's what derbies felt like. So I agree with anyone who says it's not a bigger deal is is kidding themselves because it was as close to finals as you you could get. Like I remember playing my first derby. I don't remember playing my first game against. I don't know, Essendon or Richmond or St Kilda, like, who really cared? Mm. I remember playing my first derby and thinking, holy shit, this is AFL. This is like, this mm. is the real stuff now. Yeah, and we, we had that with, with um, West Coast, you know, from, from the get-go. And then a couple of years in, we built that rivalry with Geelong as well. And whenever we played Geelong, again, they were the best team. And it was, it just happened without anyone saying it. We just put a big target on their backs and, it was a game in 2009. Um, it was my first time I played Geelong and they were just nasty. They were so nasty. They ended up winning the flag that year and I thought, I really like this team and I want to be like this team and beat this team. And then from then on, pretty much from 2010, that was it. We just got stuck right in and we, I think we won more games than we lost against them. And I'll never forget, Matty Scarlett stuck his knee into Pav in that 2009 game and I didn't go over and get stuck into him. I, that's the one... I don't have many regrets, but I really regret that not going over and, and getting stuck into Matty Scarlett because he stuck his knee into the captain. And um, but from then on, I made up for it. I think. Huh, that's an interesting observation. I had the same thing with Tyrone Vickery. He, um, I remember in Coxie's. <laughs> well, it was in one of Coxie's milestone yeah. games, and he um and he knocked him yeah. out in a ruck contest. He, he King mm. hit him. Yeah. And um and. Uh, yeah, I probably wasn't close enough, but I always remember that instant because I didn't go and just beeline him and just shit mix him. And um, and I had the same feeling about Richmond ever like ever since then. I've just hated Richmond, and yeah, um, yeah, I just I never knew that about you, Bellas. It's unreal. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> back on derbies, right? You had some big derby moments. Um, let's go through a couple. We'll start with the one that's probably more publicly renowned, which is your shot after the siren. Talk me through that. I missed. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, you wouldn't, was, be able, you wouldn't even be able to kick that fast, Gully. So it was a pretty good effort, I would have thought. Was, you know, uh, our final siren, 50, 50 out. I, Quinton Lynch, you know, he's, he's not the prettiest man to look at when I'm coming in for a shot on goal. And he was he was on the mark and um, I had to kick it from, I don't know, 55 and hit the post. So I thought it was a pretty good effort. Could you were could you, you see him? I mean, you were you were that far off the man on the mark. Could you even yeah. see who was on the mark? Like you I kicked know, the ball from the middle of the ground, mate. They probably should have called play on, to be honest. But um, yeah, I'm glad <laughs> they did. Imagine the umpire though, how much shit he would have copped if he called play on. Like he, he wouldn't right. have been, he wouldn't have walked out of that stadium. So what I remember of of this, I'll say my side of the story, and you can say how it looked from your boot, Ballers. But um, two things post game. I've never seen someone get a bigger dressing get uh, down on a Monday than Quinton Lynch did because of the way he manned the mark. He gave you, I reckon, an extra 20 metres to come outside the boundary because of the way he manned the mark. So um, that was our first. That was 
you know how they've got the stand rule now, Dan? You know how yeah. you're going to stand still? Well, that was the messaging from West Coast was if you had just stood still, he, he would have been... He would have been 20 metres out, but he actually followed Ballas out as he came around, which sort of, you know, the umpire couldn't call play on. The second part I remember, being a tall player, I was on the line, the siren went, and so, you know, pretty much half the team was down there. And I looked at Eric McKenzie next to me and um, another tall player, Nick Nananui was behind us, and we had a three-way quick conversation. I had to be quick because Ballas was going back to have a shot and said, all right, Nick, you use us as a trampoline. We're going to position ourselves as a human uh, scaffolding and you got to climb up and, you know, mark the ball and walk off the ground with the ball in your hands. Anyway, Ballas comes in, kicks the goal. I'm almost, I think I'm almost, I think I'm linking arms with Eric McKenzie. This is how stupid it was. And we're, and we're watching and it was just, I just got frozen in time and I was on the complete wrong side of the goal uh, me and Eric with this springboard that was nowhere near where we needed to be. Nick Nananui had nothing to do with the contest and it required a sort of a Josh Kennedy, Hayden Ballantyne poster. Don't know how it sort of didn't go through the goals to kick the goal, but I just remember being frozen in time. I thought it was a goal, Ballers. I thought it was a goal too. It was a goal all the way and then faded the last bit. And Yeah, it wasn't meant to be. Imagine if it was though. You gave it, you, you did celebrate like it was a goal. It was going, mate. We all were. It was, it was going in. It just that that last ten meters just faded and hit the post. But yeah, was it ever was it ever not going to be your kick? Because there was quite a few people there, and it's sort cool. of like you sort of you sort of waited there. But like you were probably the, the closest person to the umpire. Was there any quick? Discussion well, the other of bloke, the only other Freo player that was within the vicinity was um, uh, Adam McPhee. And he can barely kick over a jam tin, so it was, it, was, it was. And being a small forward, you know, big head, I wanted to have the shot and try to get all the glory myself. So I try, I did my best. Um, I remember Adam McPhee. They used to spin a lot. Is that true? Just a quick recollection of Adam McPhee kicking the ball. He used to have a lot of backspin, and they used to go about twenty meters. Yeah, it never used to kick it long. Yeah, it was just his job was either handball or kick it short. Just hold the ball up. That was. Yeah, know your strength, mate. All right, another derby moment. You kick six goals in a derby, but no Glenn Denning and now Glenn Denning and Alan medal. Six goals and no medal. What happened there? Yeah, I wasn't too happy about that. My big mate Aaron Sanderlands pinched it off me. I think he had about 70 hitouts or something. And he did. <laughs> he, he, he was okay, but he was six goals. Six goals, two, and I think he had 20-something possessions as well. So it was a decent game. And he took the Glenn Denning. I, I got the... Uh, Brown lows that game and um, top votes in the BNF. So I'll let him know about that as well. And probably a sour note, the Andrew Gaff, Andy Brayshaw incident in, or oh, 20, what was that? 20... 2018. 18 or not? 18 it was, yeah. 18, it was. It was 2018. Premiership um, year. Yeah. That, uh, I mean, that was a big moment. It's not a good one, but you're involved in that pretty pretty closely. <clears throat> yeah, it was, I was actually on the bench when it happened and, um, Lockie Neal said Gaff just belted Andy and Andy was on the deck. And I, again, I said, like I was saying before, I was like, nah, no, because I played footy with, uh, with Gaffy over in Ireland for the international rules. And he's the most placid, nicest bloke you'll ever meet. Like b- barely says boo. And I thought, nah, no chance. Like if you look at the swing, like he, he can't even, he doesn't even know how to punch, let alone, you know, actually landing <laughs> one. And then he's actually, he, he did, he just attacked, took a wild swing and, you know, I don't think he actually intentionally meant it, but he got him and, um, yeah, he was, 
we were out for blood. And um, I'll never forget Ross. I said to Ross, can I get him? And Ross looked at me like he wanted to say yes. And he said, no, don't, don't dirty your name. So, um, yeah, I had to keep me fist to myself. And um, I still lined him up. I ended up breaking my thumb trying to line him up after coming in off the square. But um, it was, wasn't, it wasn't a great day for me. So Ross, Ross, the boss has said, no, you can't get him, but you've tried to anyway. What, what was, what was said at three quarter time? I'll give you my perspective at the end of all this, but I'm interested to know sort of what were the discussions from the Frio side? Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was, um, we were all told what happened and, um, you know, we would go out there and, you know, stand up for our, for our teammate, our brother. So, um, you know, when I said, let me get him, I wanted to go out and have a proper beer fight. It was pretty bad what happened and we were going out there to have a proper go. But Ross, um, yeah, wouldn't let us. No no demo derby 2.0. There was a couple, there was a couple of – the boys still stood up for – you know, the Freo lads still stood up for Andy. It wasn't like you, you know, said, oh, no worries, Ross, we, we're not going to stick up for him. He's still within the rules, you know, a few hard tackles, a few boys target him for most of the game. That was it. It was still – Try to keep within the rules. You know, we didn't we didn't want to get a bad reputation as you know as thugs or anything. So um, we weren't going to let it slide, but we weren't going to um, overstep the mark too much. And that was that was pretty much all because of uh, Ross's words. So I was um, <clears throat> I played that game. I did my hammy in the uh, in the first quarter, and I was on the bench too. And I the first I knew about it, you know, it was the Frio side of the crowd were booing Gaffy every time he got near the ball. And I couldn't I couldn't figure out what had happened. So the actual communication to our side of the bench, I didn't know what had happened until three quarter time. And yeah. um and and that like God's honest truth, like that's what was sort of going on. I was like, what what's happened? And then I had the same reaction as you. And you're spot on. Gaffy, if I had to name out of forty five blokes on West Coast list at that time, he would be the forty fifth bloke to have done that. And so yeah. that's why you know, although it, it clearly wasn't an, an accident in terms of, you know, it didn't, you know, it, it, it hit him in the head. But it, 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 it didn't go out there going, oh, I'm going to punch on with someone. Like, he's just the most placid human being you'll ever come across in your life. So the way it sort of went down was just strange from my point of view. It was like, I've never seen anything like it. But then I guess, you know, at the time I was really fired up. I couldn't get out there and defend Gaffy because he was my teammate. You, you got someone getting targeted by an opposition, no matter what's happened, you're going to stand up for them. So I was all riled up on the bench, wanting to go out there and probably fight you, Bellas, and fight everyone else who was targeting Gaffy. But, you know, looking back on it now, and I was, you know, pretty defensive of him in the media that week and, you know, as I would. But looking back on it now, I can respect what the Freo players did as well. Like if if one of our first-year players, our, our number one draft pick, uh, got you know effectively king hit by a uh, Freo player. I'm sure. I'm sure just as bad, if not worse, would have happened from our side. So uh, I saw a lot of commentary around from you know different supporters. Oh, you know Freo fans and Freo players shouldn't be doing this. Like you boys were just standing up for your mate. I think any other team or players would have done the same thing. Like it was a bloody hard situation to watch, though. I, I, it was a strange one, really. Hundred percent, and, and you know. When you're within a footy team, you would literally do just about anything. When you're on the park, you'd do anything. It doesn't matter if you like that every one of your teammates. Like there were teammates out there that I that I didn't really get on with, but they had the same colour jersey on as me, so they they were they were my brothers for that that game and that day. And you just stick up for them. And Andy Brayshaw is 
he's he's, a, he's similar to Gaffy, probably a bit more outspoken than Gaffy, but similar. Nicest, nicest bloke, you know, would do anything, anything for you. And um, yeah, seeing him go down like that, it um, yeah, made a few of the boys' blood boil. Yeah. Well, Funny we, thing was, we, I got fined. Yeah. I got about five grand worth of fines that game, and he actually he actually messaged me and offered to pay my fines for that game for sticking up for him. That's that's what he said. He's that's the kind of person he is. Who, yeah. Andy, Andy Brayshaw yeah, did. Andy Brayshaw, yeah, rang me and said, um, I offered to pay my fines. I said, no, nah, mate, I should have took it. Though. Wow, so, that's amazing. Yeah. You go, Dan. What was your um, – so you, you wanted to go at Gaffey um, and obviously you <clears throat> sort of targeted some some players in the past, you know, just pestering and stuff. What's what's in Hayden Ballantyne's bag of, of, uh, of things that you're going to do to a player or say to him? Like what are your regular things that you would use – it's funny. The simplest thing is just the bump. Like I can actually, when I, if I put a bit of force in, I and bump, just just standing side by side, and you get a little fella bumping you, bumping a big fella, and nearly knock them over, and they just they get so pissed off with it because they get nearly knocked over by someone smaller than them, and it's just it's just <laughs> a macho man thing. They don't like it, and then they just lose the plot, and it's the funniest. It's actually hilarious just to see the reactions on some of those big guys. Alex Rance was. He was actually quite funny. I ran into him one day and he looked at me and goes, you're a dense little effer, aren't you? And like, just because just I, I hit him pretty good and he just took the wind out of him. So it was, um, yeah, it was pretty, I, I could um, I could collect people pretty well when I wanted to. You have a, yeah, a little, maybe a little, little pinch, little, little elbow. Yeah, in see, there. You, a, you see that in the media. That's, that's, you know, that I was taught all that stuff from Stephen Baker. You know, he, he used to play on me and I, was actually quite nice until he played on me for the first few times and he'd, he'd punch <laughs> you behind the elbows and you couldn't feel your hands the next three days. Like the elbow punch used to really hurt. He'd push you, pretend to push you in the chest and he'd stick his fingers in your throat so you can't breathe for like 30 seconds. Um, yeah, the pinching, the pinching was a good one. That, that used to really hurt. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of stepping on toes, you know, walking past someone and just sticking the knee in. That's just things. Sammy Mitchell, he was classic for that, sticking the knee in every now and then. It's just um, little tricks of the trade you learn off the more senior players. Speaking of punches, I've got to ask um, something. I watched. The, I was doing a bit of research earlier and I was watching some uh, Ballantyne highlights and one of, the, one of the top things that came up on YouTube was um, he punched me in the nuts <laughs> that, that um, when Heath Shaw when yeah. Heath Shaw hits you. <laughs> well, that's the- How's that getting caught? On, on the microphone yeah yeah like it dropped me it hurt because he got me he got me flush and um you know i was i was getting stuck in him on the deck and he's just similar to the gap just a swinging fist and he got me right in the sweet spot and it hurt and um yeah another one another one and it's free free shot on goal and keep the goal Oh, it's very good. So let's talk about Ross Ross Lyon and um, you know what he was able to do with your footy club for you know a decently long period of time. You you've openly been pretty close to him both publicly and at the footy club, but also you know privately. Uh, What sort of relationship did you have with Ross? Yeah, really, really strong relationship. And um, again, he he likes and respects the players that give effort and give everything they have for their team and. Um, that was something he kind of built into me. I always had a crack, but he really focused on that and he rewarded that a lot. So I knew if I went out there and give everything every week, I'll be playing every week. So, um, But he also brought 
um, a lot of discipline to the footy club. You know, we were we were a good team that would win games a bit sporadically. You know, we'd go through, win three or four, then we'd lose three or four. You know, we could always kick big scores, but then we get big scores kicked against us as well. And he recognised that straight away and just brought that defensive method to us. You know, kicking goals wasn't our problem. It was stopping the opposition from getting runs on. And um, once he instilled that into us, that defensive method, the goals just came naturally. And um, then we took off. 2012 was his first year. And we played finals 12, 13, 14 and 15. So, um, you know, proof's in the pudding of how good a coach he is. I mean, people externally think that Rothline is defensive, um, defence only uh, you know, game plan. That, but, but it sounds like it was more the discipline aspect, and you knew what you had to do on the defensive side of the ball. Like you guys were still scoring and playing well, attacking wise. Our defence started in our forward fifty though with forward pressure. You know, once we got it inside our fifty, you'll see all our all our forwards are just harassing the shit out of the opposition defenders our mids are pushing in trying to kick a goal and our defenders are pushed up to the midfield where once the opposition do kick it out you've got Luke McFarlane and those type of guys marking the ball and trying to kick it back in 50 so and everyone says that he's such a defensive coach but realistically he was teaching us to defend inside our 50 where we'd kick goals so you mentioned 2012 13 14 15 <clears throat> that were the years you made finals i mean a you know really strong period of time for the footy club um you made and and lost a grand final in 2013 finished top of the ladder 2015 what what that, that period of time um how do you look back on it um we'll, we'll speak specifically about the grand final but how, that that's period of success how do you look back on that personally oh the, the best memories was when you're walking down the race and you're looking at the players that are around you and how focused they were and they were just they were just animals. Like you just knew what you were gonna get every week and you'd look at the opposition, you know, I'd love Anzac days where you could actually look them all in the eye when they're lined up and you just think you poor bastards are in for a big night. So I just, <laughs> that was the best feeling ever where you just knew the opposition were gonna have a tough night. You know, that if they were gonna win, they had to play out of their skin and you know, they were the only teams that really beat us. You know, Hawthorne were, were a super team who who beat us on more occasions because they were just they were just good. They were just better than everyone else and better than us on those nights. What are your reflections on 2013, the grand final, losing grand final? Um, how do you look back on that day? Um, I don't look back at it with any regret because of how much effort we give. Like, we were within, you know, two and a half kicks of beating the best side for that three years in a row. You know, they've, they've gone three, they won it three years in a row. They beat, you know, West Coast and Sydney by 50, 60 points. You know, we lose to them by 15 and, you know, we had more marks inside 50, more shots on goal. Um, you know, all the KPIs, majority of our KPIs, sorry, were in the green. Um, it just, it just didn't work for us some days, you know, a few bad bounces here, a few missed shots there um, ended up costing us a game and, Albeit it was bitterly disappointing to lose it, um, you know there was there's no regret because of of the way we went about it. Would you, was there anything you that you, in in hindsight, would have sort of liked to have done differently in that year that you think, oh man, if this would have done, yeah, separately, or, or we changed the way we prepped in any sort of way that you maybe thought we could have got over them, or would Hawthorne just unbeatable at that time? Um, 
maybe asking a few more questions about grand final day. Like we'd never been there before. Didn't know about the parade. Didn't know about you know all the all the performers and all the bullshit before the game where you couldn't. Have, me and Sonny would always go out and have 20, 30 shots before a game. We got we got in trouble for going on the ground because there were performers and all that. So just the actual running of the day and how it all went about. That's the only thing. You know, we we're always ultra prepared. That was one of Ross's mantras: be prepared for anything. And you know. You don't know what you don't know, and we didn't know how to prepare for that day. And um, I don't think that ultimately cost us the game, but it's just something that you know might have given us that extra couple of percent that could have got us over the line. Would you have done? Would you have done anything? Uh, like Dan sort of say, would you have done anything differently? But if you did have that opportunity, so you finished first in 2015, um, which is the year that I think it probably should have been a Fremantle West Coast Grand Final. I mean, it was going that way. We, we finished top two. Yeah. Um, West Coast second, Fremantle first, and both had home prelims. Um, do you think making it in 2015, that preparation element is what you would have learnt and done differently? Yeah, 100%. And also, you know, it's pretty topical at the moment, the umpires, but also maybe trying to build a better relationship with the umpires because if you actually have a bit of a relationship with them, they get off your back a bit more. Like they don't. Like I didn't get on with them and they knew it and it felt like we were targeted a little bit because, you know, we'd always let them know our feelings as I, as I know you let them know that your feelings as well, Will. But um, <laughs> I think if we built a better relationship with the umpires and not spray them all the time, that might have helped a little bit as well because um, there was a goal kicked against us in the final where I'd put a block on within the within the realms of fair, like just stepped in front of um, oh, who's 16 for Hawthorne, the runner. Um, virtual no 16 no. virtual no um anyway he, he was the wing, wingman yeah i just stepped in front of him because i knew i wasn't going to be able to catch him and he um fell over and he got a free kick at the goal and you know that was a bit of a turning point in that game so little um moments like that with umpires you know if i had a that umpire had had a better thinking of me maybe he wouldn't have given away that free kick I definitely. I've got to ask about. Yeah, you, you go down. You I've go. got to ask about 2015. So I know it's a classic sports cliche of one game at a time, like you know, focusing on this week. But I mean, I guess this will be a question for both of you. Was there like discussion amongst anyone of like, man, this could be a derby grand final after the end of the season? It could be what? what? Sorry, a derby grand a, final. A, a, yeah. Nah, yeah. nah. That, albeit you know, the derbies were always a bigger game. That. Never really crossed my mind at all. It was more, let's just get there first. It was, yeah, we just wanted to get there because we knew if we got there, we'd be hard to beat. We, we just didn't end up getting there. Hawthorne ended up getting there and getting the chocolates. But, um, yeah, we were just solely focused. You know, we played Sydney, um, beat Sydney, and then we had a week off and thought we'd be fresh going into the Hawthorne game. But um, yeah, we were actually, there was actually a few lethargic boys. I'd actually... Sydney was my first comeback game from a torn pec. I tore my pec off the bone. And I missed 10 weeks and came back and played Sydney and felt amazing. You know, your first game, you always feel amazing coming back from long-term injury. And then the following week, I could barely get out of second gear. I was absolutely fried the whole game. And, um, yeah, it was, it, was, um, it was hard work trying to get through the whole game. Well, I'm, I remember watching, because you guys <clears throat> played on the Friday night, uh, I'm pretty sure, in 2015. Oh, yeah, I think um, it was, yeah. Yeah, because like we watched, and you, know, you were leading for a fair bit. It was a bit of a you know arm wrestle, and there was some sort of stuff that happened late that 
ended up costing you the game, but you know, that's how footy goes. But I remember watching it thinking I wanted you guys to win because not that not that West Coast thought we could beat Freo because Freo were probably the best side all year, but I thought we probably had a better chance of um, playing well against Freo than Hawthorne at the G. It was the yep. it was the G thing for us, and um, you know, seeing you guys lose, we went and beat North Melbourne, but you know, then we had to go back and play Hawthorne again, and yeah, it was yeah it was interesting. Um, you know, listening to you speak about that preparation element because like we had what you had in 2013, although it was worse for us probably, but we had the opportunity in 2018 to kind of redo it. And and I, you know, not that I'm, um, you know, gloating or anything, but I, f- I feel really, you know, um, it, it gave me a bit of closure because 2015 for me was just this, you know, horrendous kind of moment in my footy history and that's how I would have looked back at it, on it without a chance to kind of rede- you know redemption and I know a lot of guys felt the same way in our in our team so no, I just certainly don't feel sorry for you but it was it was definitely a benefit for us losing that game that that whole mm. lose one to win one I think you'd agree Bellas if you had have had an opportunity to play again you would have been in a better position to at least perform like to, you know yeah. not not to win or lose but you, you would have just been in a better position haven't been yeah. there before yeah, hundred percent, and that's um, and you're right. You gotta, you don't have to lose one to win one, but if you do lose one, I don't think you'd be losing the second one. Yeah, correct. Um, you catch up pretty regularly with that group of players. What's the, you know, that's your personal. What, how does how does the rest of the group so look back on that period of time and and you know 2013, 2015? Little, no, there's some little feet. There's some little feet coming up the stairs. You'll say goodnight. <laughs> Oh, she's got. Hey, go, some, go put some pajamas on. Go on. We'll get that back to you in a second. Um, yeah, so we we catch up. You know, obviously, uh, um, oi, go put some pajamas on. <laughs> um, life membership. That's always a, a um, you know, you always tick that one off the calendar every year and make sure you get to it because catching up with all the guys who um, you played a lot of footy with is always important and. Just a good day, really. Just to have a few beers together and reminisce on what was and what wasn't. Um, you know, I'm still keeping contact with Aaron Sandlands, Matty Pavlich, Lee Spur, um, Michael Johnson. Yeah, there's a, a huge range of boys that we still talk to and um, keep in touch with. Albeit life gets busier when you finish footy. Um, yeah, always try and make make time to catch up or talk to them. Did you almost get traded to West Coast in 2016? Very close. Yeah, there's an offer on the table. Um, which we tentatively accepted, and then a few things went wrong, and it didn't happen. So, yeah, it was pretty close to happening. What can what I ask? What it? those things went wrong? Yeah, Sam Mitchell took all the money. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah. So, um, yeah, there was an offer on the table. Um, you know, they had to reshuffle a few players on the list and do whatnot, and um, um, and then and then Sammy Mitchell became available, and they went that avenue. So, um which is fair enough. I was going to take a bit of a pay cut to move across and that was all good because theoretically I could have been a premiership player in 2018 with Scoey. How, how do you think those conversations would have gone with your teammates, boys, um, um, heading down the road to, to West Coast? Um, to be honest, AFL has become a bit of a business and we're just pawns within that business. So, you know, we need to make as much as we can and albeit I'm, pretty proud to say that I'm a, I've been a um, one club player at Freo. I still need to look after my family and the best interests of my family. And um, 
they would have understood that. If they didn't understand understand that, then they're not really my friends, and are they? Did is that the period of time where they they culled a lot of players at Frio? That you know, it was yeah, De and Ball, that's what Mzungu, yeah. yeah the, there was a lot of heart and soul players that um, were shown the door and took up um, took up contracts elsewhere. You know, Matty DeBoer still playing at GWS and playing really well. I think he's in the latest. He might even be vice captain or something and playing really well. Um, Tendai went there as well. Alex Silvani went to Gold Coast. Gold Coast. I think he went. To, Alex Silvani went somewhere. Carlton. Carlton yeah. went to. Yeah. Mick Barlow went to Gold Coast. So. A lot of players went elsewhere and continued their career, and um, I was nearly one of them as well. Were you done when it was all said and done? Were you finished uh, as a player when you eventually hung up the boots at AFL level? Uh, yeah, more so. Mentally, I wanted to keep going. Physically, I couldn't. You know, Hamstring injuries, ankle injuries were my two biggest kryptonites. And, um, you know, hammies started to give out every time I got over 80%. So, um it's good now. I play down at Pinjar and I don't have to get a, over 75% to get a kick. <laughs> you got a good team down at Pinjar now. you got a few names, a few ex-AFL players down there. Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, <clears throat> Brocky O'Brien, uh, the Bunnell boys. I think Harley's going back to Waffle this year, though. So, um, yeah, there's a few, few ex- oh, I think there's about six. There was last year, six AFL, ex-AFL players, a couple of ex-Waffle players. So, had a pretty good team. Um. You played with who I put down as one of the greatest to ever play the game, um, given his versatility with uh, Matty Pavlich um, and Aaron Sandilands, another great player. But but Pavlich specifically, what was what was his leadership like? Uh, what was sort of player was he like to play under as a captain? Because he was a captain for a long time at Freo. Yeah, and he's he's a real he, he's a real um, get on board and follow me, not do what I say, you know, you jump on, I'll carry you through this. He was, he was very much, yeah, he's someone you'd follow into battle no matter what. And um, which is why he, along with Ross, got the best out of his teammates because um, he was always the first one, not just on the field either. He was always the first one in the ice bars. He was always the first one into the gym. He was always the first one, you know, he didn't have the best skin folds going around and he was always the first one trying to trying to do better with his skin folds and diet and that. So um, all round leadership was just second to none. And um, when he when he left the club, it left a fair bit of a hole. What about then the leadership to then um, Nat Fife and and how that sort of what's the difference there playing under those two guys? I think I can't really speak about Fifey now because he's he was growing into that role as I, when I finished up at the club. Um, David Mundy was always one that was really good as well. He very direct with what he said. It was sharp and blunt, but to the point. And he was always right. Like you, There's no point in arguing with him because he's a pretty intelligent bloke and he was always right. And He's pretty softly spoken, um, but when he's on the footy field, you know when you're stuffed up because he'll let you know about it, which is what I really like, that direct feedback. You know, No point in beating around the bush. I've stuffed up. Tell me, and I'll fix it. You're um you're training horses now, Bellas. We mentioned that off the top, and I've had a few chats with you and found some specific points pretty interesting. How, how did you how, how did you learn to train horses? I mean, it's not like something that you know everyone's just you know out here doing is training horses. How have you stepped into that after footy? Yeah, so my dad's a 
full-time trainer. That's what he does for a living. Um, I grew up riding track work when I was a kid. Before school, I'd get up and ride a few. So um, I've always been around horses. And then 2018, I think I took out my trainer's license, um, bought a horse called Mankind and um, got the bug again. So I was always planning on training a couple when I retired from footy, but um, yeah, it's exploded into a, into a full-time business. So I'm loving every minute. And there's not... To be honest, there's not a whole lot of difference between us and them. You know, we, you, you train them hard, you get them as fit as you can during a pre-season, you have a, give them a trial, which is their pre-season games, and then they're ready for the real deal, round one. And um, I've got a pretty good first-up record for round one because I've trained them pretty hard, but also recover them hard so they're fresh going into their races. So, I mean, that was the interesting part I found was I asked, like, how do you know? You, you can't exactly get any feed. Well, you can't get verbal feedback from a horse. You know, you're training a person and, hey, feeling, yeah, I'm tired, you have a drink. Um, like, how do you know what to do with a horse? And you said something around those lines was you, you use a lot of the stuff that you're using as a player or learnt as a player to train and sand running and recovery and ice bins yep. on horses. Yeah, so probably eighty percent of it is done for us in the in the work that we do with them. You know, um, where's it when they get their heart rate up and down? There's a t- technical term for it, and um, well, you just use a lot of that, build their heart rate up, bring it back down, build their heart rate up. So um, basically, the way they used to train us, you know, flog the guts out of us. <laughs> we I do that. I don't <laughs> flog the guts because they're they're a bit they're, they look like big strong animals, but they're not. They can break down pretty easy, so you got to manage them pretty well and. Um, but yeah, a good feel for a horse too. You can, you can feel when a horse is flying and, um, you know, there's no point in starting them until you get that feel for them and they generally perform when you have that feel. And it's like a playing list, right? Like some of them, some of them are big softies and you can't, you can't, you know, grind them to their absolutely dead, you know, like a big, I don't know. I I don't know who that is at Frio, but some some just love the work. Yeah, so that, you're exactly right. You know, I rate him between a Michael Barlow and a Chris May. Michael Barlow, just go. log the guts out of him. Give him working as hard as you can and he'll get better. Where Chris May, you just got to give him a cuddle every now and then, pat him on the bum, <laughs> say, you're all right, champ, and then he'll perform. So you have the ones that you can flog and the ones you got to give a cuddle and you got to work it out quick, otherwise you'll stuff it up. That's very good. Uh, anything from you, Dan, Charlie? I think uh, we'll, we'll let Charlie have his one question and then we'll get to social media. Sounds good. What do you got for him, Charlie? Big moment here, mate. Charlie, lifelong Fremantle fan. You've been thinking about this for years. You get to ask Hayden Valentine oh, no, one no. question. What's it going to be? All right. It's your final game. Man. Can you hear me? No. Yeah, this is your moment, yeah. mate. Oh, no. Um, your what final game, right. getting carried out by Aaron Sanderlands. What was that feeling like? I was at that game. I was right up there. How did, how did that uh, – what were your reflections on that? Well, I didn't – we never planned any of this. And um, we've done our lap with the kids and walked around and waved to everyone. And a um, little backstory to this, my eldest daughter wasn't there because uh, the morning of that day um, she had a pony club event and her horse nearly bit her finger off. So she was in hospital having surgery on her finger while I'm playing my last game. So – little fun fact for you there but we've played our game um we got beat racing by a couple of goals and um we still the crowd were just unbelievable and giving us a send-off and then we're about to walk off together get carried off and he goes get on my back I said I'm not getting on your back and he gave me the look Aaron gives you this look when he doesn't ask twice very often he gave me the look to get on my back so I was like no worries and got on his back and carried me off and 
It's actually pretty cool. The photos, there's a photo from behind where it's me and him waving and all the crowd and the players lining up. It's actually, yeah, it's actually a pretty cool moment and something we're pretty privileged to do together, being good mates. Who do you think was lining up to carry Aaron off? Surely no one's lining up to carry him off. <laughs> no, nah, there's a couple, couple of big boys. He's, uh, we, actually, we actually did a, well, we had a few, a couple of shandies that night and got a bit pissed and. We reenacted it at his place, and um, he got on my shoulders, and I couldn't walk for that three days later. My back was up, so 125 kilos, and I'm walking around like I was um, <laughs> like I was pretty tough, but yeah, I was struggling. So, oh, if you could get me some photos of that, that'd be very much appreciated. <laughs> hey, but while you're telling that story about your daughter getting her fingers munched off, do you yeah. mind telling that the the snake? The, the snake story? Can yeah, you tell yeah. So we, we have pretty good um, run-ins with the wildlife around Perth. So This is incredible. Um, Listen up, everybody. We, we, were, um, we lived on a property in Serpentine and um, I was just doing a bit of welding in the shed and I had one of my mates, he's got this old vintage Kingswood. And my, my, or my middle girl now, she was two at the time, was playing in it, loved playing in it, you know, hooting the horn, scaring the shit out of me and, um, she was in there one day and went all quiet and I've gone in. I said, you okay? And she held her, held her finger up, her thumbs like that and goes, sore. And um, as she said, sore, this big, huge dugite slithers out of the car. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, she's been bitten by a snake. And I've got her out of the car. And I've looked, looked over her hand and you can see these two little puncture marks on her hand. And I've just got into action. I've got her in the car and... Um, and I was doing about 180 all the way to the hospital, rang the hospital. I was going through red lights, hooting my horn like I was an ambulance, and I rang the hospital. I said, oh, I'm coming in hot. My daughter's been bit by a snake. And the person on the other end of the line saying, are you sure it was a Jew guide? I said, mate, I know what a Jew guide is. And then um, got there and wrapped it up, and it's swollen up like three times the size of normal. And um, luckily it was trapped within the muscle. Somehow the venom gets trapped within the muscle and breaks down in there and didn't get too much into her bloodstream. So she was um, one very lucky little girl. She's only two at the time and it was about one o'clock. I remember, I'll never forget, it was about one o'clock, which is normally when she goes down for a bit of a nap. So she's like going to sleep in the back of the car and I'm screaming at her and like smacking her leg to make sure she stays awake because I didn't know if she went asleep, she was going to wake up again. So yeah, it was a bit of a um, bit of a scary moment, but one um, we got through and now she brags that she's bitten by a snake. <laughs> of course she does, mate. When you told me that the first time, it made me like actually sick. Does that make you feel sick, Dan, as a father? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially when you said like hand up and said, and she was saying sore. Well, I was like, that hit, that hit well, the, me. The, I was just like, oh boy. The, the funny thing is, you know, we were at the um, oh, there's like a Peel Petting Zoo down in Pinjarra, and we were there about two weeks before holding a snake, and she's patting this snake. So I reckon she's gone down to say, oh, there's a nice pretty snake. Gone down to grab it and oh. just give it them. Oh, God. Everyone listening, don't take your kids to the petting zoo with the snakes. Otherwise, you get a snake bite in the Kingswood. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny now because she's survived, but fuck me. Um, all right, Bellas, we're almost done, mate. Now you got to get to the kids. We've got about five minutes left. And I know you've been waiting for this. This is social media, mate. This is where uh, – well, I don't even need to explain it to her. I know you know what it is. It's where the people – get to ask you the questions. Been running for a long time. One of the podcasts, I, I dare say one of the best segments going around in podcasting land. Are you ready, mate? I'm ready, yep. 
All right, let's go, Dan. Let's go off the top. Team Money 97. All right, Hayden Ballantyne came to do a talk at my school. I think he was in his fourth or fifth year at the club. Um, one of the year sixes <laughs> one of the year sixes ran up and dacked him in front of the school. That weekend, he kicked five goals against North. Uh, a, a note on this is that uh, that you've never kicked five goals against North, actually, but you've kicked four against North in 2011. Do you remember getting dacked in front of a high school? Sorry, in front of a school? No, there's something you probably remember. I don't really remember that that happening. Oh, wow. But if it did and I kicked four, maybe I should do it a bit more often. <laughs> oh, you beauty. Liv underscore Flora. First one from Liv. Okay. What do you love most about working with horses? Um how similar it is to um, footy players, you know, building them up, putting all that work in as a, as like I said before, like a pre-season and then seeing the results of them winning and performing how we'd hope they would. So, um, yeah, it's, there's nothing more satisfying than seeing your horse come around the turn of the 400 and it looms up and wins. There's no, even on or off the footy field, there's no better feeling. It's just the buzz you get from it. It's just, yeah, phenomenal. So better than better than playing, better than footy, you think? More intense, yeah. Like you, you know, you kick a goal and it's you know you get a buzz, and this buzz is just you know it's for the I don't know. You, it's hard to explain until you've done it. It's it's hard to explain, but um, I suppose most other horse owners, you know, if you, if you know, you know. It's just a, it's a different feeling. Is it because there's a is it because there's a bit of pressure, Bella? Like, I mean, you, you've got some you know, co-owners. It's not like you own every horse that you train. You, you train mm. other people's horses. Is it that as well? You're almost like a coach yeah. and you're, I think you're it's providing more, the it, Yeah, that's exactly right. It's more like this it must be like the feeling a coach has when the team goes out and does the task how he wants and they win because it's out of my control. Once, that, once I leg that jockey up, it's out of my control. I've done everything I can do. I've prepared it as best I can. Now, hopefully, the game plan works and we're fit enough to get the job done. And um, when it all comes together, it's like, how, how good am I for putting that horse together or that team together to win the race? Seeing as we've skipped over a couple of Scotia questions because we sort of already asked them and, and talking about Buzz kicking a goal, i got to ask, 2011, goal of the year, do you recall that goal being special? Was that... Was that like, oh boy, that was a good one, or because like, you kicked a lot of goals? I've, I've probably kicked better goals and didn't get goal of the year, so which I was a bit more disappointed about. There's one, and um, mm. I've kicked a few on the run at Subi that I think were more impressive. But I got a big home screen theatre system; like it was, it, the prize was pretty good, so I'm not going to complain about it. It was good. I know you're paying Bellas, if that makes you feel any better, mate. I've kicked some good running goals down at Subi as well. No goal of the years for me. <laughs> um, Kaylin, 86. You need to learn how to celebrate a bit better, mate. That's what it is. Oh, mate. Oh, mate I, I, kick, I think I kicked 22 goals over 14 years, so I don't get many opportunities. I thought I did my best. I mean, at least I celebrate when I kick a goal and not when I miss them. Well, <laughs> you know, I, there was a goal. Yeah, good on you, smart ass. There was a goal I kicked and I celebrated that hard. My pec started cramping. And I had to go off and get the physios to stretch my – Greg Mullings had to stretch my pecs out because I was cramping that bad in my pecs. That's how I was tensed up so hard. <laughs> oh, and you've torn your pec as well. Was that before or after your pec? Maybe we just found the cause of your pec injury. Nah, that was – yeah, that was the following year. The following year I tore my pec off the bone. Well, there you go. Maybe you should have wrapped it up. All right, I've got a couple more scotials to get through. Um, how about uh, Saxon underscore Saunas's? 
what are your favorite current and also all-time pests in AFL and other sports? What about some other ones and, and other teams that you um, aspire to be like? Out, quick. Um, currently, Toby, Toby Green. Toby Green would be the... Um, I, I love watching him play. You know, he's got a bit of character, a bit of personality, and um, he plays the game on his terms. I, I love watching him play, and you know, he, he gets labelled as a bit of a pest as well, but... He, again, he can back it up. He kicks goals. He wins matches up his own boots. So I love watching him play. Um, um, I suppose um, Stevie Baker. He was someone that you know you got to you love to hate because he was such a good defender and he always used to play on me and bash the shit out of me. But um, you know, again, wasn't the most skillful, wasn't the fittest, wasn't the fastest, but he just got the job done and. Didn't matter what it took. He wasn't out there to make friends either, but didn't matter what it took. He got it done week in, week out. Do you reckon those sorts of players are going out of the game more so than coming yeah. in? Like, is it, is it, yeah. 100%. It's, it's, too, um, it's too nice footy now. You know, there's no, no character, not, not enough characters to make it really entertaining. You know, it's very, very clean and crisp and, you know, you get a high mark every now and then, but there's no big contest because everyone's scared of accidentally bumping someone and getting four weeks for it. Yeah, heard it first. Um, last one, Mark Blakely. All right, being a huge Eagles fan growing up, who was your favourite player? Um, I had quite a few. Um, the Matera brothers, they were, they, you know, Peter Matera, watching watching him glide around the Subiaco was always, you know, Privileged to watch. Um, Phil Matera, obviously a small forward, fellow small forward. He was always a great player. Um, Cox, Kerr, um, Cox, Kerr, Judd, Cousins. Like, you know, what a lethal um, combination they all were. And watching them run around and tear teams apart. You know, Juddy would win games off his own boot as well. So they were, they were probably – Dean Kemp as well. He was someone – I think he was underrated a little bit, you know, you see some of the things he used to do. He was probably didn't get the accolades he probably deserved. All right, Bellas, you've done well, mate. Appreciate you taking some time away from the busy schedule with the horses, but more importantly with the daughters. Uh, if they're not already in bed, we'll let you get back and chuck them in there, mate. But um, lovely to chat to best you. Time. Had a great best career. Time. Always loved used to coming up against you and would have been nice to have played with you, but we didn't get the opportunity. No worries. Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me on. We're done. Back chat's done. Uh, round one next week. Enjoy that. You know where to find us on socials. Find us on the internet somewhere. Subscribe to YouTube. Sign up to Patreon. Hello at backchatpodcast.com.au is our email address. What am I missing, Dan? Anything? Uh, Reddit. Always get on Reddit. R slash backchatpodcast. Always a good time, uh, don't we'll, we'll see you next week. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.